everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 226 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. We have a gigantic show for you guys today. In fact, I almost feel overwhelmed by all the stuff that we need to get through in this episode. Um, I left the studio to set it up for Jared, who is on TriCaster duty today. And literally the minute I walked out of the studio, they announced a new Call of Duty. Um, so it's been a scramble to get everything ready for 226, but I think we got it all unlocked for the most part. Um, alongside me to talk about all this stuff today, of course, is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey, um, I, I'm pretty good. Some stuff to play. I actually have a follow-up on that Lego Nintendo thing. Oh, you do? Um, because I didn't know about this until I found it this week. But if you take the, if you take the system uh -huh. and pop this open... It's the end of World 1-2 <laughs> with the platforms and the exit and then the warp pipes. That is awesome. How, wow. how ridiculous is that? <laughs> That's Lego. I didn't, I, I didn't even know that was there. until There's, They're week. so good at what they do, man. I mean, yep. that's just really what it comes down to. That's why they can charge so much money for one of their sets. I mean, yep. they just, it's the quality. And they, get, they work with the right people on the stuff to make sure that it touches all the right points for the fans it's just they're just great at it and mm -hmm. uh, they, get, they seem to just get better and better uh, these special sets that they're putting out it's not just for people like us like they're doing stuff like that for people in all these different segments of entertainment so yeah lego is killing yeah. it yeah. except for the uh, skywalker saga game which uh had a quick little leak on the lego site today that said it's coming 2021 um Wait, it's not coming this year that's what it said, tw coming 2021 on the website, and then they changed it to coming soon after about an hour. Um, huh. That was this morning. So uh, I don't know, but like, I don't know what could be taking that game that long, but. Yeah, what the heck? Here we are. Yeah, I mean, they're usually really good about it, too. I yeah, they usually not... crank those things out, and it's just, it's just Star Wars. Like, it is it's bizarre. Like, Absolutely If bizarre. you're going to get that thing a year, out a year and a half after the last Skywalker Saga movie, we just strike when the iron's hot, I guess. But, yeah. Like, I mean, they didn't even make like when it came out for DVD or, no. or anything I mean, like that. I mean, that was like, that, that they showed that at E3 last year. Like, I know. It's so weird. That it is take, weird. I don't know what's going on there. But. I don't either. Um, a couple housekeeping things before we get on to the poll of the week. Uh, first of all, we did a drawing for the, in fact, the last ever drawing for the gaming loot crates uh, as a part of our Patreon. Um, I've been talking about how that, that tier was going to change to the Indie Game Club. That is happening for September 1st. Um, if you won, we have already sent you DMs on Patreon. Uh, most of you guys have replied, but I think there's still two or three of you that have not. Uh, make sure you get back to us with your shipping address, and it does not matter where you live. We'll ship them anywhere in the world. So get us your address, and we'll get those out to you ASAP. I do want to say thank you as well to Loot Crate. They have been a great partner uh, through all this. Uh, we've had this partnership almost since we launched our Patreon, um, and it's been, I think it's been great for our Patreon, and I think it's been great for our patrons. It's been, it feels really good, honestly, to be able to send stuff like this out to you guys, people who have been supporting us all this time. So it felt good for me to do it. Hopefully it felt good for you guys to get a little something back other than just the content and the other stuff that we're doing here on Sifted. And again, a big, big thanks to Loot Crate. Uh, they were great partners, and I really appreciate everything that they did. Um, and then one final note before we get going, and I know I mentioned this at the end of 225, but I want to keep bringing it up as it gets, date gets closer. We are having a very special episode of Pactor Factor coming up on Thursday, September 3rd. Um, in next week's show, I will be unveiling it in full, but I will say this, it is an appointment 
type thing where we need people to be there. Um, and it's looking like it's going to happen around 11 a.m. Pacific on September the 3rd. Um, and we need you guys to be there. Uh, so if any of you guys could kind of put away, put aside some time in your schedule, I know a lot of people are working from home right now. If you could shift your schedule that day, maybe uh, to be a part of it, uh, I think it's going to be really cool and really awesome and you won't regret it. So anyway, again, Thursday, September 3rd, big, big Pactor Factor things happening. I don't have more details on the episode next week, or you can just stay tuned to sifted.net where we will have updates there regularly as the day gets closer. So anyway, it's time to get on to our poll of the week. Uh, the poll of the week this week was based on a topic that Matt and I discussed on episode 225. Uh, we're asking you about the, the crazy Epic Games versus Apple Battle Royale that is going on right now. And it hasn't really changed at all in the last week. They are still going at it. They're still sniping at each other. They're still filing things in court. They're still acting like children in a lot of ways, to be perfectly honest with you. So we asked you guys, um, who is in the right in the Apple versus Epic saga? Um, and again... I generally like polls that have pretty even results, and this one had very even results as far as all three options. Uh, you had three choices. You had Apple is in the right. You had Epic is in the right. And then the third option was both sides need to compromise. Okay, and Jared, you can reveal the results now. Uh, so Apple is in the right one by actually by a pretty, pretty good margin over Epic is in the right. And 39% of the vote. 27% uh, said Epic is in the right. And then 34% said what I just said. They're acting like a bunch of children and they need to come together to the table and negotiate something. Um, now, I will say this. Whenever I start reading comments from you guys from the poll of the week, I always try to find comments that support each of the options. Um, I'll be honest. I could not find a look. 27% of you said Epic is in the right. But I couldn't find any posts where people really made an argument for why Epic was in the right. I think some of you guys maybe just don't like Apple. And I know a lot of people are like that. And some of you guys are, I did see some comments where some people were like, oh, you know, it's Ep what Epic's been doing with uh, grabbing exclusives away from Steam. A lot of that played into how you guys felt about this. So anyway, I did try to grab quotes that were representative of the poll. And here you go. The first one is from Slagathor. He says... I think this is just a scenario from Clash of the Titans. We have two monumental giants fighting over something we mortals can't really do much of anything about. And no matter whose side we take or whomever emerges as a victor, we all lose. <laughs> that was great, man. Slagathor, you nailed it. <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, we do feel helpless in all this. Um, we do always say you can vote with your dollars and with your wallet and with your money, and that is one way that you can do it. So if you're pissed off at either one of these companies you can stop giving either one of them your money. Um, I just did that with AT&T, actually. I just got rid of DirecTV and my AT&T mobile account, both of which were like 16 years old. Um, I just finally got fed up with service and I left. And you can do that too. You can leave Apple's ecosystem. You can leave Steam if you want to. If you don't like what Valve is doing, you can leave Epic Game Store if you don't like what Epic is doing. Uh, your money does matter. And that's really the only thing that matters, <laughs> to be honest. Um, Next up from Surf Spider, and this is kind of a long one. He says, I think a compromise is required with both sides. Personally, I want a single app store. Imagine two stores on PlayStation, which is pretty absurd. Uh, I want a safe app store. I don't want some smaller de developer directly processing my credit card. Uh, though the big picture issues at stake here are complex. Actually, that's really complex because you're right. If you deregulate it, then all of a sudden you're giving 
these really, really small companies the ability to charge, which could become a problem. Uh, the big picture issues at stake here are complex and in some ways lost on the theatrics of Epic. I do think that 30% could be revised and be made a little more reasonable. My son won't be able to play Fortnite anymore on his iPad, which he often did and at times was his only means to play. Epic has not been loyal to their player base by weaponizing them and ultimately taking their game away. I hope it backfires. I'm, I'm doing my bit to take this opportunity to get him into other games, and I'm boycotting Fortnite Epic myself. Just so basically he's doing what I suggested you should do. He does bring up a lot of sort of complex issues with this whole thing. It's not as simple as it appears on the surface. Uh, there's all these other entanglements because Epic claims that it's not just doing it for itself, it's trying to do it for everyone else. And some other people in the comments brought up, well, that's hypocritical because Epic is taking away exclusive games from Steam and isn't really concerned about the community. So there's all these little elements of it that get tangled up in all this stuff. But you guys did a really good job, I think, uh, kind of encapsulating it. Uh, the next one from Substance 104, Epic's using its Fortnite money to continuously take games away from Steam, and they did break the App Store's term of, terms of agreement. So yeah, Papa Cook should send little Timmy home crying. <laughs> um, and then the last one is from Time, and he says, in a technical legal sense, Apple is in the right, plain and simple. Epic agreed to Apple's terms of service and broke the rules, and Apple has every right to kick them off their platform for it. Given how Epic is acting, it's no surprise Apple wants to terminate their developer contract, which is also in their right. So, again, I couldn't really find any big arguments for Epic being in the right, but I feel like I found some that kind of touched on at least some of Epic's points in the very least. Matt, has your opinion on any of this changed over the last week? Not really. I still think Apple is legally correct and Epic is ethically correct. Okay. Um, I mean, you can argue back and forth about what Epic's real motive is, but uh, the end result of what Epic wants from Apple would be better for all developers in you know in general um and we'll have to see what kind of change they manage to force because it could all end up being a bait and switch it could all end up being for nothing if you know but but again um you know the contract is the contract and, and the law is the law until it changes and uh, if epic want, really wants to use it to, to draw attention to the fact that apple's deal is unfair uh then it could work out for good for people other than Epic and other than just Epic getting another big payday, which they will do that as well. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. App, Apple has the uh, Apple has the the war chest to to fight this to the end. So, and they probably will because that, so that the cut they, <laughs> yeah they both do the cut they get the cut that Apple gets from the App Store is very 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 much part of the fabric of their business model, uh, and lowering it is definitely not in their plans. So we'll see who wins. This I my assumption is that um, my assumption is that that uh, Apple doesn't care about games enough to really buckle on this one. Um, I think you're right because yeah. the because Fortnite is gigantic and Fortnite is a zeitgeist thing and Fortnite makes tons of money for Epic, but. In the larger scheme of things, that's not that much to Apple on the App Store. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a pretty small potato. So I would, I think, while I, I think Epic's like kind of like overall goal here might be positive for the development community as a whole, um, I do think they're overestimating their clout on this one. So, but we'll see what the judges decide. They they you know they have been. Epic also has a real damn good lawyer on this. So yeah. We'll um, so far, the judges seem to have sided with Apple in the few the few rulings that they have issued. Yeah. So well, that's the thing is like Epic basically has to prove that the way the law, uh, way the, or at least the way the the that Apple has legally constructed the App Store 
currently is uh, immoral. Right. And illegal, immoral. Is, uh, I don't know about. It has to be illegal, right? You can like prove that. Well, you can prove that the uh, that the that the law is immoral. That it's an, an oh. unethical law. So challenging the law, you'd have to challenge. You have to challenge that how they've interpret how Apple has interpreted the law and written up their contracts is is an unethical business practice. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I see. But that is very hard to prove. So because you have to prove intent. Pretty much, yeah. And yeah. Apple's intent is to make money, and that's also Epic's intent. So it's hard to argue that without them making yourself look like you know. Yeah, you could, I mean they already very, look like fools. <laughs> you could very easily they could very easily open themselves to uh, Valve coming at them from the from the back and saying like, oh, well, you're doing that. Well, you're going to say that. Well, how about your practices like that? It's it's a they're they're really riding the edge of the blade on this one. But uh, if for whatever reason, it seems to be a risk they're willing to take. Yep. We'll yep. So anyway, we'll probably come back to this eventually. We'll we'll let things simmer down a little bit and kind of things shake out before Matt and I talk about it officially on Game Face again. Um, but this is not over. <laughs> it's not going to be over for quite a while. We may be talking about this on Game Face episode three twenty six. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, we're about ready to get on with the heart of the show. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, DeShazer Ryan Realty. They're keeping the gears turning here at Sifted, and we appreciate it very much. Uh, so some of you guys may have got into the show a little late, into the stream a little late. Um, I mentioned in the show open that Call of Duty, the new Call of Duty, was announced just as I left the studio to set it up for Jared to go in and handle uh, TriCaster duties. However, we are still going to discuss Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So literally just about an hour and a half ago, Activision finally announced uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, another worst kept secret in the industry. Uh, we've had a game page with that exact title now for like a couple mm. weeks on Sifted. Uh, we've pretty much known that it was in some way a sequel to one of the two original Black Ops games. We didn't know which one or how it was going to work. Um, and we knew the title of the game and that was pretty much it. And mm -hmm. today... They released the debut trailer for it and also released kind of the first information for it. Um, first of all, it is a direct sequel, which is so, this is so weird. It is a direct sequel to Call of Duty Black Ops 1 that is inspired by Call of Duty Black Ops 2, <laughs> which was not the direct sequel because it actually kind of jumped times a bit. Um, but at the same time, this also sequel to Black Ops 1 is inspired by Black Ops 2 as far as a lot of the features and the functionality and the focus that that game had. Um, so it does take place 
during the Cold War, which basically spans like the late 60s to the mid to late 80s. Uh, Matt, did you watch the trailer? Yeah, like so briefly. So you saw Ronald Reagan is in mm-hmm. the game, the president that most Americans associate with the 80s. He is in the game. And I would also say the person who impersonates him is very, very good. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I mean, look, it's not the first time actual presidents have been in a black ops game. Yeah. Um, I mean, usually they're a joke, but... Uh, yeah, or no, usually it's a cameo and they appear. Yeah, the, or the, the, the um, I mean, the, the zombie mode. Yeah, the 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 Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Yeah, JFK. People. Right. Yeah, JFK and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's they're no stranger to this. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, my eyes definitely went boing when I saw Ronald Reagan in a video game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, he's it's not the first time he was in Bad Dudes versus the Dragon Ninja. Yep. Kidnapped yep. by ninjas. Yeah, um, but uh, back when we had a president, we would want to save from ninjas. But uh, <laughs> it was—I mean, he, I think he looks really—it's a very good likeness. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the character who is very clearly Robert Redford right. um, from uh, Three Days in the Condor, uh, which is you know a '70s era political conspiracy thriller, which this is clearly taking a lot of uh, inspiration inspiration from, from yeah. um, which is cool. Uh, it's also why he was in uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, he's, he's a similar thing. He's just associated with that kind of political thriller thing. Um, like it looks interesting, uh, and I say that as someone who doesn't really care about Black Ops very much. Um, I don't know if now is the right time for deep state conspiracy <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah, like, be no worse. reason, to, no reason to encourage <laughs> those people really. But it is, it is a uh, an, an interesting throwback time. It's interesting to me that they're not. That they are ignoring the rest of the series, like, yeah. so it's like a reboot, but not like it's. I guess they, they're they're starting over with. It also surprises me that there's no Black Ops One remaster to right. go with it. Well, we don't know that yet. Well, then maybe it maybe there is. Who knows? It, it could be coming. Um, I I am not that excited for the plot in this. First, the first thing we should mention is the last Black Ops did not have a campaign. No, remember it did not have a campaign at all, <clears throat> and typically Treyarch are my favorite developers of Call of Duty campaigns. In fact, I I would probably say that Black Ops 2 is probably my favorite Call of Duty of all time for a number of reasons. Um, And the catch here is Treyarch is not creating this campaign. It is made by Raven Software. Now, I'll say this, Raven's pretty damn good. I mean, you know, at first when I heard they were working on Call of Duty, I was like, oh, that's bad. No, it hasn't been bad. They're actually really talented and really good. So... I'm a little bummed that Treyarch isn't handling it because I really like the campaigns that Treyarch has done in the past, but at the same time, it's in good hands. Now, I could sit here for the next 60 seconds and look like a fool trying to explain the plot in this game, or I could just read the press release that Activision sent me where they try to explain it because, I'll be honest, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me other than what Matt just said. It's all kind of wound up in conspiracy theories. So here's what they sent to me today. In pure Black Ops style, uh, Black Ops Cold War fuses elements of 1980s pop culture through a mind-bending conspiracy story where deception and subterfuge are the norm in the gripping single-player campaign. In this sequel to the original Black Ops, players encounter historic historic figures and learn hard truths as they battle around the globe through iconic locales like East Berlin, Turkey, Vietnam, Soviet-area Moscow, and more. As the leader operatives, players attempt to stop a plot decades in the making as they follow the trail of a shadowy figure named Perseus, who is on a mission to destabilize the global balance of power and change the course of history. I feel like that's the plot to every freaking Call of Duty. I mean, 
it sounds like the plot to every Call of Duty to me. It depends. Like sometimes there's an operative, sometimes there's a traitor, like one yeah. or the other. You know, the I, modern it, warfares are about like uh, autocracy and bureaucracy and betrayal from within, and the Black Ops games are more about conspiracy and agency and whether agents of one nation know are in, are acting on the behalf of that nation or on their own like kind of their their own agenda. Yeah. Um, and like, that's always been kind of part of how the black ops thing works. It's, I mean, that was the hell, that was the whole thing about the numbers station in the first one. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, black ops obviously deals more in the tension between the, uh, the U S and the Soviet union because yep. of the cold war aspect, black ops, um, which Russia's is almost feels, the enemy, yeah, which, which almost feels like a, which almost feels like a safer place to be now, you know, because <laughs> modern warfare tried know. to do modern warfare tried to do sort of the, uh, the rip from the headlines, sort of like, you know, war, war isn't what it used to be sort of thing. Like, we don't, you know, you don't know who the bad guys are and who the good guys are. This seems to be leaning more into the idea that, um, not that it's like, you know, black and white, good guys, bad guys, the way Reagan painted it at the time. But it's yeah. more like, everyone's a bad guy. Like, just, yeah. we're all, everyone, like, there's no good just guys shades in this game. Of bad, yeah. pretty much. Uh, the other thing, too, and <clears throat> the reason that I really like Black Ops 2 is because it did so many things that had never been done in Call of Duty before, and in all honesty, have not been done in Call of Duty since, even by Treyarch. Um, it had branching story paths where you had to make decisions, and it had multiple endings. That is coming back for Cold War. Uh, there's branching paths. One of the things I read said that one mission had four different routes that you could take through it, hmm. um, which is a huge departure for Call of Duty, even when compared to Black Ops 2. Now, one thing I don't suspect <clears throat> that will be coming back from Black Ops 2 is the crazy, like, real-time strategy vignettes that you could play. Do you remember what the name of that yeah. was, Matt? No. <laughs> you know um, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Like, it would basically switch to, like, where you sort of had a, an eagle-eye view of, of what was going on and could determine who went where. And defend, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like an RTS kind of light thing. Now, mm -hmm. they haven't said anything, but I doubt that's coming back. I actually thought it was kind of cool, but most people didn't like it. And I'll, I was I'll cool, honest, but it's just like, it was like, it what fit. is it doing here? Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind it of, fit. yeah, it, it would be pretty good in like a weird Tom Clancy franchise, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like how, like, there's a bunch of stuff like that in Infinite Warfare that I really like. Yep. But I understand when people are like, I don't want this in my Call of Duty. I don't want to. Yeah dogfight in space and call them like that's fair it's a little yep. too interesting for call of duty i understand what you're saying yep but look um, a non-linear campaign multiple endings branching paths i think the majority of people will be cool with that yeah i mean it's at least replay value one way or the other because i believe back in the day black ops 2 was the best-selling call of duty for a long time before it mm -hmm. ended up getting toppled so i think it was the first thing to real that was the first non-infinity ward call of duty to like rival and infinity ward yeah. sales like and now that it's was, all flipped upside down mm, <laughs> it's bizarre yeah well now you know i mean yeah not even any of the same people making those games anymore so yeah as far as like the big stars of call of duty that you guys probably know from the past that are going to be in the game um woods mason and hudson are in it in addition to ronald reagan mm -hmm. um so three big stars from the franchise are coming back although i think hudson I can't tell if they're voiced by the same people, though. I think Mason is a new voice, actually. Yeah, sounds I, like it. I think I read that somewhere that they had to get someone new that the guy wasn't going to come back. I don't know why. Maybe he got shorted or something on one of the last games. But um, the other two are going to be the original voice actors. Um, what other... There wasn't a whole lot of information revealed. It's coming November 13th, and it is coming to all current-gen platforms and PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. However... If you want to upgrade from, so let's say 
we don't know when the consoles are coming out yet, but this is coming out on November 13th. So say the consoles don't come out till the end of November or the first week of December, which is very unlikely. But say that happens um, and you want to play Call of Duty before then, if you want to do that and then continue playing on PS5 or Series X, you have to spend $70 on the game. So they are releasing a separate cross-gen version of Cold War for $70 that you have to buy if you want to buy the game and then get the upgrade to next gen at a reasonable cost. So basically they're charging you $70 for the next gen version of Cold War, which is the same thing that's happy, happening with NBA 2K21. Um, we can pretty much confirm that next gen games are going to be 70 bucks. It looks that way. Now, Pactor, when he was asked about it, he said he didn't think that everyone's going to follow suit. Um, but that might be one case where I may disagree with him on something. Uh, it sure looks that way, that it's heading that way. He had better reasons for it than I do, other than just having two anecdotal <laughs> pieces of evidence to point to. Um, he went on a pretty long explanation why he feels that way. But it just, you're right. I mean, this is a the biggest third-party game in the world, save for Grand Theft Auto, which comes out once every lifetime, it seems. Um, and if it's doing it, it's going to be really hard for other publishers to say no, especially mm -hmm. if it doesn't hurt its sales and it does really well. I could maybe see the first, like the launch window next-gen games, some of those still being 60 bucks, but I think a lot of people are going to watch what happens with NBA 2K and what happens with yeah. Cold War. And if it I think it's well, pretty safe to say that like AAA stuff will be $70. Probably. It's looking that way. Um, so uh, the other thing is the multiplayer was not previewed at all. Neither was the zombies mode, but they said that both of those are getting huge overhauls and it is Treyarch who invented the zombies mode. So I'll put some, there was a little thing at the end of the trailer I saw. Uh, yeah. A very quick flash basically, but there, there's tons of vehicles driving around and stuff. You know, they're, well, they're really blowing that up. Well, the other thing I would say about this trailer was it looked like vehicles were a much bigger part of everything in general. Mm -hmm. Um, now, one thing, I would, one thing about Call of Duty is that is their trailers don't necessar necessarily show actual gameplay footage, but most of the time, 99% of what they show in those trailers, even though they're from a weird angle or whatever, is actually in the game. So there were shots in the trailer of him shooting out of car windows, like spinning the car around and shooting. Like I don't know if those are new mechanics that are going to be in the game, but I would not be surprised if they are included because, again... If they show stuff like that, it's usually in the game somewhere. It would be hard to do a proper 70s, 80s political thriller without a car chase. <laughs> exactly. And then they showed like this little drone that drops down from cars. And then so it looks like maybe travel might be a bigger part in ve vehicular travel might be a bigger part of the game. I don't know. But September 9th is the day that they're blowing out the multiplayer and the zombies. So I have more information about that. But there was one last tidbit uh, that I found kind of scouring the Internet. And that is that. They are not going to release a brand new Battle Royale mode. They are just going to release content for Warzone. So that appears to be what's going to happen going forward with Call of Duty. Warzone is the Battle Royale mode. And as new games come out, they're just going to release new content into Warzone that's themed based upon those individual games. So I think right now um, you can play as Woods. If you've pre-ordered, if you pre-order Cold War, I think you can play as Woods. Um, in Warzone. So the other thing too is the exclusive uh, multiplayer beta is on PlayStation. The trailer, all the footage says right at the beginning, recorded on PlayStation 5. So it does appear that Activision and PlayStation are in bed again 
uh, for Call of Duty for another generation of consoles. Or it could just be who knows how long the contract's for. But to kick off this generation, it looks like they're in cahoots again. Um, that's pretty interesting. That Warzone now is just it's the platform that they're just going to add stuff to from their specific games. They're not going to keep trying to relaunch Battle Royale like Battlefield is probably going to do. Yeah, it's smarter than trying to have them make it again every time. Yep. Which is a problem that, uh, you know, I think in, it's certainly iteration of certain games that have that are worked on, the series is worked on by different teams. That becomes a problem repeatedly. Certainly Assassin's yeah. Creed has suffered from it. Yeah. Um, and uh, to some degree, uh, the sports games sometimes, like just having to start over all the time or like, uh, it makes sense. And especially the fact that they can cross-gen with this thing, with Warzone and not like have to reboot it. And it makes yep. sense in this also in the sense that like, Battle Royale games don't really need a time or place. They don't, they don't need, need any kind of like they don't need any kind of continuity. You can just throw in whatever the hell. I mean, Fortnite is 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 just madness. Most <laughs> it of the really time. is, yeah. So just throw in whatever is appropriate for the moment and like give it a nice flavor in that regard and call it. Maybe don't do like a Christmas version for Call of Duty or whatever. That seems inappropriate, but I don't know. You could wrap all the guns in like Christmas lights or something. That'd be that'd be something. Like yeah. why not? Yeah, so I am excited for this. Uh, again, Black Ops 2, my favorite Call of Duty ever. If they're patterning this game after that and it continues the story of the first Black Ops, I'm in. Uh, I like the characters. I like pretty much everything about the first two Black Ops games. Um, again, we'll see multiplayer. Certainly more interested than the one that had no story. So. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, we'll see multiplayer and zombies on September 9th, and we'll probably come back to talk about it on Game Face once again when uh, that date hits. Uh, but anyway, it's time to get on to what was supposed to be the first topic of episode 226 before we got waylaid by Call of Duty, and that is the WB Games Batman extravaganza that happened at DC Fandom over the weekend. Uh, definitely probably the biggest debut of debuts, plural, of the week. Um, Matt, we both had some time to really ruminate on this, and I'm really excited to get your take on this stuff because you know this universe way better than I do. Yeah. Uh, we're going to kick things off with... Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, mm -hmm. um, which is Rocksteady's game. Um, and it does get confusing, all this Batman stuff coming out. Like, who's working? Because also, isn't WB Montreal working on a Suicide Squad game, too? Like, no. they're this, not. This is, this is it. Okay. This is the Suicide Squad game. Okay. They so, were. They oh, I think we just lost Matt. They, they, and it was... Hmm? Yeah, you're you're skipping for me. Maybe it's just my internet connection. Yeah, he's skipping here too. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I just got a thing that says my, your internet connection is unstable. <laughs> anyway, start over, Matt, because we lost you right when you started right. talking. Hang on, let me. I'm going to change something real quick. Okay. Um. So anyway, well, Matt's working on that. So Rocksteady's game is Suicide Squad kills the Justice League, See, and helps. you do play as four different uh, Suicide Squad members, Harley, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark. Uh, I'm no good. Okay, Matt, go ahead and... Uh, All right. Um, so, yeah, this is... Uh, it, it's a mix of things. So, the, like, Harley is obviously... Uh, you, you're, you're stuck with her. Like, Harley is part of the whole thing. Uh, Deadshot is, um, you know, is going to be in there because he was in the movie, and he's, like, the second most popular Suicide Squad member in the mainstream because Will Smith played him. Yeah. Uh, he, he, it's, this is this is a continuation of the Arkham games. Like this is in yep. the same universe as the Arkham games, in which Deadshot was a white guy with a bad mustache before. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we mind uh, moving on to someone who looks more like Will Smith. 
Uh, King Shark is a big deal right now because um, he's just sort of like popular in the comics and in the Harley Quinn animated series. It's um, a just really as like a comedy relief character. Stupid um, character, though. <laughs> but like Gail Simone has basically made him like a fan favorite. So he's yeah. in there. So and, he's written uh, well, typically, is what you're saying. Usually. And he's in the new movie, the James Gunn version. Mm. And then uh, but Captain Boomerang, I guess. He, Captain Boomerang is kind of a mainstay of the Suicide Squad. Like he's just always been part of it, from what I recall. Uh, and the funny thing, of course, is, is you watch this trailer, you can see the Avengers thing here. You can see yeah. that Deadshot is Iron Man. And Harley is uh, Harley is basically Black Widow, and King Shark is Hulk, and Captain Boomerang is Captain America. Yeah, I mean, um, there are archetypes. There's archetypes there, for RPGs, sure. RPGs, films, wherever. Um, my main thing on this is um, I cannot believe this is coming out in 2022. Yeah. I cannot believe this what game have is they two been doing? years out. I don't what know. What have they been doing? I mean, the, the what I heard is that they hadn't switched over to working on this at Rocksteady until like 2018, oh. um, and that before that had been. And here's the thing: like the the rumor is that they were working on a Superman game before that uh, that got canceled. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, those reason. rumors flew around for a while, which ex would explain why this takes place in Metropolis. Mm. Why because also they've Superman already built Metropolis. The big. Part of the game, apparently. Well, Evil if you're going to kill the Justice League, you're going to get any Superman. Superman's <laughs> going to be the final boss, basically. How but, do you feel um, about that evil Superman? Do you think the whole Justice League is like turned evil and they're like anti not turned evil? Brainiac's controlling their minds. Like uh, okay. it's a mind control thing. Gotcha. I mean, look, we've seen evil Superman in Injustice already. Yeah. Um, it's not an un we've, we've seen asshole Superman in the movies for the last yeah. seven years. <laughs> it's not a new phenomenon, really. Yeah. Um, it's fine. You know, I, here's the thing, like. I think the concept of being a Suicide Squad and having to go kill the, find a way to kill all the Justice League members is a really cool idea. Like that's, yeah, I like, like if you did that like a Hitman game, if you did like oh. each each like scare, each Justice League character, you chapter? Went, yeah, like you went to their city or their hideout yeah. or whatever, and you had to like go through an environment and like figure that out almost like a really puzzle cool. solving game, like to, a way to kill them. That'd be awesome, but that's not what this is going to be. Yeah. You're going to just hit them with a bat until they inexplicably <laughs> fall over, right? Like that's yeah. that's what the, Harley is going to to kick Superman until he dies. <laughs> if if you even get to kill them, it could be just like a thing where like you spend the whole time trying to get to them, and they, then they snap out, and it's like, oh, you didn't really. Kill and then them. you like, all join forces together to right. stop the person who started the whole war, which yeah. is Brainiac, obviously, because that's his yeah, shit right. in yeah. the background, right, right? And like, and the other thing, of course, is like. Okay, so this is a sequel to Arkham Knight. Isn't Batman already dead, or maybe working in secret using fear gas, or like? So are you yeah. even going to deal with Batman? It's weird that, that, that there's two. They announced two Batman games, and Batman's not in them. Yeah, and um, so okay, like uh, I think weird. a lot of people are upset about that. To be honest with you, so like frankly, a lot I, of like, internet I, people are not yeah. happy. Like I look at this and I'm just like, you know, okay, fine. Like I, I see what you're doing. Like it, it could be fun, but like. It's it's not worth spending eight years on. No, and that's, it's that's really the big takeaway. Yeah, yeah, and it's not worth tying Rocksteady up for all this time doing that. And the and you're real. The other thing is like you are really betting hard that um, people suddenly care about Suicide Squad. That James Gunn's <laughs> movie is going to make people care about Suicide Squad. Yeah, like that is that is the they biggest right gamble now. here. And um, I mean, James Gunn is really good, but is he that good? I don't know. He might be. I mean, it depends. Like, like the question is, can James Gunn do Guardians? Do a Guardians level success again with another group of misfit team 
people. Yeah. We, I mean, it's basically the same story yeah, in, terms of, in terms of what he's making. It's a, it's a great choice for it. Uh, and I'm sure it'll be good, but will it catch the zeitgeist the way Guardians did? Yep. Maybe. Like, it might. The other question becomes, like, well, we've got four characters here, and the press release really seems to indicate that these are the four. Like, it yeah, these are the only four characters. Yeah, It doesn't indicate that this is, like, a, like an Avengers-style game as a service or that there's anything like that going on. It seems like it's just a four-player co-op game. That's what it is. It's four-player co-op. You can switch between any of the four characters at will if you're playing by mm -hmm. yourself. Um, and then the other three will be controlled by bot. They're just basically bots. Mm. Um, now, I do think that that has an opportunity to provide some pretty cool gameplay stuff. If yeah. you're playing by yourself, and if they create combos where you work with all four of the characters together, um, maybe you have to activate them in a specific sequence, hit a, hit a button sequence, go to the next one to create maybe combo. You could do some cool stuff with it if you really... Yeah, like any, I just like, it. you know... Do a certain throw move with King Shark. Uh, switch to Harley, and she, you know, batter bats him. He, he throws the, yeah, her. She tons of stuff like that. Gears hits him with a bat. Yeah, I mean, you could do some really, really cool stuff. I hope they will. I would be surprised if they will. <laughs> I'll say that. But with this much time, they really don't have an excuse not to. That's for yeah. sure. Two years out is. I mean, because like my prediction for this is that it basically is slated for like spring 2022, slips to the fall, and maybe even slips to Q1 2023. Like. It really seems like they're struggling to figure out what this is going to be. Next gen only as well. I mean, that could have had yeah. part, part of it to do with it. They're like, oh, we're going to scrap the current gen version. Now we need to make sure. Because now it's coming out in the heart of next gen. Right. It's not going to have like license to not look quite as good or yeah, anything like right like in that. the second wave where you're expecting everything to have, everyone to have really start feet, peaking. Basically. Yeah. yeah, for the most part. Um, and uh, it's just astounding. It's like that's so 2022. That'll be the first, other than the VR Arkham game, that's the first game Rocksteady's put out in seven years. I know. It's seven nuts. years. I know, it's crazy, like, man. And they you, were putting them out at a regular clip before that. That's what yeah, I don't get. Like, this is like isn't the, their MO. It's like, oh, you know, we don't want to do the same thing over. Like, okay, then take all the fucking tank shit out and call it a <laughs> Batman game again. How about that? That'd be different. What about that? Now, Rocksteady did not say much about this, to be honest. No. Like, But they did issue one quote, and it said, and I quote, this is a continuation of the Arkhamverse. A lot of the through threads and storylines you're going to see come to fruition. So they're hinting that stuff that was left dangling in the Arkham games will get mm -hmm. tied up here. So, but that's it. That's the only bone that they threw us other than one to four yeah, players. Everything else was just exciting. Yeah, because it was a great uh, trailer, by the way. We should have mentioned that trailer's yeah, awesome. Trailer's like, good. I love the moment when <laughs> Superman shows up and then it cuts back to Suicide Squad and they're like, oh crap. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a really, really good Yeah, trailer. they're, they're accidentally kind of aware of, uh, you know, the, I like that they're aware that it doesn't make any sense that you send these guys against Superman. Yeah. Because that's even even in the movie, the original movie, it's like the whole premise of the team is like, what if Superman went bad? We need a team that can counter him. Like, okay, well, it's not a bunch of people with baseball bats and boomerangs. <laughs> like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it, so like, yeah, this sort of idea of of angling them as like sort of misfits that are in way over their heads and no one really cares that they're in over their heads is it, it's more true to the material than uh, the David Ayer movie was. Yeah, uh, so that's good. Yeah. But um, it's just that it's just the thing where it's like I don't mind the idea of this game, and I don't I don't have any problem with Suicide Squad. I just I I don't want this instead of a new Batman game. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's the yeah. and like the idea that, of having. And I really thought it would be like a thing. I part of my disappointment I think is that I thought it'd be out this year or early next year, and we could just move on. 
But no, we're gonna have to we're have to stare at this we thing have to for wait another for two it years. For like two years. Yeah. And then another how many years until Rocksteady makes something else? Like when just, does the film come out? Right now, what's it slated for? Films next August year? next year. Okay. That's we'll weird. see what happens. Hmm. It's interesting that they wouldn't try to time the game's release with the film, but I don't know. Nobody's Maybe they just can't. That. Nobody seems to be doing that anymore. The yeah, Avengers, it's the not Avengers a thing anymore, apparently. Too, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Again, next-gen only, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. The other game that they announced, and they showed a lot more of, is called Gotham Knights. It's coming from, coming from WB Games Montreal. Now, Matt, you were comparing uh, the last game to Avengers, but do you think this one's even more closely related? I don't know, because like, here's the thing. Like, I, know a lot, I know a lot of people are jumping to the game-as-a-service conclusion on this one. I don't know if I buy that, because um, it's only two-player co-op. And Is it only want, two? Yeah. Oh, and I if, didn't know that. Yeah, it's two players. Oh, I And that, that, to me, sounds more like a bonus mode yeah, play in a, a, a otherwise single player game. Now, my so this one's confusing also because it it seems it looks if you on the surface like it's picking up where Arkham Knight left off, but then if you look at clo- more closely, because Batman's have, dead. He, yeah, he didn't leave time to 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 leave a note in Arkham Knight, and Commissioner Gordon hasn't been dead for several years in in the Arkham verse, and Barbara Gordon can't walk again in the Arkham verse. Right. Uh, although it looks like she ha- she was paralyzed before, so she, clearly she was Oracle at some point because you see the wheelchair in the yep. foreground. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is apparently a new continuity for some reason. I mean, I know DC loves doing that, but like it's amazing how many different Batmen are running around right now in various forms of media. You've got this is a different continuity. You've got. Uh, um, you've got Suicide Squad in a different continuity because it's Arkham. You're going to have. Uh, Keaton Batman and uh, Batfleck Batman in the Flash Flashpoint movie. Uh, you're going to have the new Batman played by Robert Pattinson, Pat Bat, in the Batman. You've got a young they Bruce Wayne. The first trailer yeah, for. You've got a young Bruce Wayne in uh, the Joker solo movie with Joaquin Phoenix. If they continue that, you got another Batman running around. You got TV Batman running around. Like. At some point, they're going to have to really figure that. Like, you really are headed. <laughs> you are headed for a crisis on infinite earths of just DC media at this point in about yeah. five years. Like, so that'll be interesting. Um, I can. I also have. I can talk to you about that Batman trailer too, because like, <laughs> I, I bet you issues. can. I have some issues. <laughs> but this, like, this looks closer to kind of what people are expecting Rocksteady to make. You know, it's a yeah. It's, it looks a Batman like game. Flopped. Yeah, yeah. It's a Batman game without Batman. It's uh, you know he's. Apparently dead. Of course, he's not dead. He'll be back by the end of the game, I'm sure. Um, but uh, which is one thing I hate about comics in general is that like all the there all these whoever is dead is always just a ploy to regenerate interest mm-hmm. in something, and then they always come back. So after it happened the first couple of times, like I just don't even care anymore. When I see like on Twitter or whatever, oh my gosh, Aquaman's dead. I'm like, so what? He'll be back yeah, in well, like. That, I mean, that mostly started with um uh, with the Superman death of Superman. Yeah, in ninety one, like yeah, because you knew it was ne- he was never going to stay dead. And then they did it with Batman. They broke Batman's back, and then he he came back after after a while for that because. Because um, you have to. It's Batman. Yeah. It's so much money. But they it's, do that all the time. I mean, yeah, that happens all the time. The, yeah. the joke about like comic book characters never staying dead kind of originates from Superman. Yeah. Um, before that, for the most part. Characters that got killed did stay killed. Um, one of the major exceptions being Jean Grey, who yeah. 
was a running gag in comic fandom because she didn't stay dead. Right. Because that was weird. Then you know, otherwise yeah, yeah. You, you know Bucky stayed dead forever until Winter Soldier showed up. Right. Um, <laughs> but <Uncle> eventually ben, <laughs> Uncle Ben has 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 Uncle Ben is the one comic book character that's never come back to life in any appreciable way. That would be hard to pull off. <laughs> I mean even Gwen Stacy came back. That was like those were, that was the holy trinity was like you can't bring back Gwen Stacy, Uncle Ben or uh, Bucky. And Bucky and Gwen Stacy eventually did come back. Yeah, they all will. Uncle, Uncle Ben stays dead. Uncle Ben has <laughs> to stay dead. He's the hardest one because otherwise, Spider Man has no reason to be Spider Man. Exactly, you can't do it. Um, it's impossible. So this is so this is interesting in the sense that like so you get uh, Nightwing, uh, Batgirl, uh, Robin. Who there was a lot of argument over which Robin it was, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was Tim Drake or Damien. I thought it was Tim Drake, and I was right because Tim yeah. Drake uh, uses a staff. And call any at one point in the in the gameplay demo they sh- they put up alongside the trailer uh, he calls Alfred Alfie and Damien would never call mm. him that um, and uh, and you get to be the Red Hood which is Jason Todd yep. um, who you know from every comic ever uh, or Arkham Knight if you don't read he was the Arkham Knight in that yeah um, the 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 the, the uh, one of the other characters that stayed dead for a very very long time because the Joker killed him he's the second Robin. And then they brought him back as the Red Hood, who was a lethal vigilante who hated Batman. And then they made up, and now he's one of their one of the good guys. But he's still like he kind of kills people once in a while. It's not great, but like, but he's in this uh, probably to give you a distance character because otherwise you don't have anything. Yeah, um, gotta have somebody ranged for sure. So I like what I like what we're seeing here. Like I like the you know it's, it's Gotham. Uh, there's people who are not just criminals to beat up in the city. Like you know, there's police down there. There's like it's it alive. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, for once, they seem to have finally not evacuated the town before. Like you're running around Gotham doing stuff. So that's cool. Uh, my main. How do you issue, feel about the motorcycle, Matt? You hated the tank so much. Well, it looks like the motorcycle's traversal and not just like you know a tank battle thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see on that one. My main issue with this game. Uh, is the levels? Is it? It's level based. Way? It's level based. Like, because oh. look, look at the look at the enemies. They have numbers next and life bars next to them. That's not Arkham. That's yeah. I know it's not Arkham. It's it's a it's Gotham. It's Gotham. Oh, it's Knights an action now. RPG. It totally is. Yeah, they, but they it's like, and it's like it. yeah. There's like numbers popping up. No, that is not what I want from an Arkham game. That's not what I want from this. Yeah, game I mean they're not trying all. to hide it. They, no, they not said at all. It's an action RPG. They said that you'll be able to build your characters however yep. you want to. Create and they're like item. fighting super villains at a certain level will be different than fighting them at lower levels. And so yeah. I hate everything about that. Okay. I, I don't like that at all because because that come eventually you're just going to end up in a situation where like a bunch of random thugs can't be hurt by Nightwing because they're higher level than him and so his punches don't work anymore and that's stupid. Yeah, um, I don't like that gating system. I don't like doing that with these characters. I mean, uh, it's it kind of weird to have to, to put superheroes into RPGs because mm-hmm. you know they they typically they have their powers. They, most of them don't gain power as yeah. they go. That was like why Batman worked so, and these characters could work for that too. It worked so well in the Arkham games because you weren't upgrading his abilities so much as his gear. Tech, his yeah, gear. yeah. Which and makes you can do that sense. with this too. But like, yeah. um, it's just, but in, for in general, you start the Arkham games with all the tools you need, and they were also smart in that usually when you moved on to the next game, you still had most of those upgrades. Yeah, like maybe you didn't have the, the exact batarangs you needed, but like his fighting upgrades tended to to carry over for yep. the most part. Um, and then you just get more cool gadgets for the next one. Yeah, and that made sense. Like you didn't, yeah. you you still felt powerful in like Batman, but it felt like you were upgrading to deal with new, more complex situations. This just feels like rant thug thug number three 
is level 15 and you're level seven, so you're not going to win. You have no chance. Like, that's yeah. stupid. That, that's when not... you're a superhero, it's absurd to lose to a street right. cook. Well, especially when you're Nightwing. Nightwing <laughs> right. can take just about anybody who isn't superpowered. Right. And even then. Yeah. Um, but I do like the look of it. I like the, the designs for everyone. I think that might be the coolest Batgirl outfit ever designed. Like, I really like how she looks in this. She appears um, to be, I mean, even though there are four playable characters, she appears to be the focus of the game. She's definitely the focus of the uh, of the demo they did. Yeah. I mean, um, she was the only playable. I mean, I think she had one character come along for the boss fight. I think the character... Yeah, Rob, Robin teams up with her. Yeah, um, when, he fight, when they fight Mr. Freeze. But for the most part, it's just her. And they did say that the story of this game is you need to evolve into the new Dark Knight. So that girl seems to be the most obvious choice for that. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's there's a lot. I would be. It would be neat if you by the end of the game you were kind of the new bat person. I think that's what the that's other. the goal of the game. Yeah, that's yeah. what they said. Is that I would also like them like to see them add more characters. So like um like there's a bunch of bat family characters that I'd like to see brought in to be playable at some point. Um, I'd like to see Cass- uh, Cassandra Kane. I'd like to see uh, the Huntress. I'd like to see. Uh, Azrael, um, uh, uh, maybe um, Batwoman would be fun. Uh, there's a lot in that. You, you could keep expanding this. I do think Damien is in this because uh, the, the end of the, tra- the trailer does tease uh, the Court of Owls, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, by the way, that's my, my prediction, by the way. Also is confirming that, all the rumors about this game before it was announced. Right. <laughs> also, uh, I'm predicting that Bruce faked his death to draw the Court of Owls out. Out. The ah. open, and he will, re- he will reveal that that was all the plan all along. <laughs> that um, seems very likely. But there's also, they've talked, they talked about how it's going to be, in part, it's going to be the, the Bat characters sort of caught in a war between the Court of Owls and the League of Assassins. Oh. Uh, and Damien does come from the League of, because he's, he's Batman's biological son with Talia al Ghul, mm-hmm. um, raised in secret without his knowledge until he was about 10 years old. Um, so he's raised by ninjas essentially, uh-huh. and um, has a very different attitude from the normal Robin because he's he's willing to kill people. He's, willing, he's, he's, bad, he's a ninja, very very much. <laughs> um, so the idea you, you might run in, I'm predicting you will run into him in when the League of Assassins becomes a, a player in this game, and maybe he defects at some point and becomes playable that way. Now, um, so it's it's uh, I mean, there's a lot of different. This is definitely a more interesting game to me than the Suicide Squad. Yeah. That was going to be my capper for this whole topic was of the two games, which one has you more excited? Definitely this one, just because you're playing as actual bat characters, which it might be a pretty superficial reason to be interested. Also, we know more about how this plays, it, and it also just seems to deal more with characters I care about, even down to who you're fighting. You know, like the Court of Owls is a great story. Uh, if they adapt that well, it could be a really good you know, really good single player story campaign. Like, and uh, there's nothing really to indicate what is happening in that regard for Suicide Squad. You know, like we see, we know the basic premise of Suicide Squad, but we don't really know how it's going to play out or how it's going to play as a game or what you're doing or, or sort of like how that's going to unfold. Uh, they seem to imply that the Suicide Squad game takes place entirely in Metropolis, which is weird. For yeah, a game that's, that's what they're hinting at for sure. Yeah. So I get, you know, there's so much time left before Suicide Squad really f- forms in our minds, whereas this seems like more straightforward and more, you know, something we'll be playing sooner. And uh, look, I wanted, I, I enjoy playing as Batman in those Arkham games, but if you were going to move forward, even if Batman wasn't dead, I would have wanted the option to play as these other characters because yeah. that was always fun in the Arkham games was to play them in the challenge modes and stuff but yeah, be, and, sure. and the DLC and all that. But it would be nice to have them as part of the main game. 
Um, so I like I like what they're doing. I just don't like the level gating thing. That's not enough for me to not play it. Uh, watching that demo, any red flags go off for you, Matt? Because they did for me. Um, there were there are some moments in that eight minute demo where I don't know. Like so, when you play a demo as a developer that you're going to put out for people to watch, you obviously want your game to look as good as possible at all times. So you get someone who's really good at playing the game and managing the camera to play it for the demo. And what I saw a lot in this demo was that guy trying to make the game look better. Like there'd be these moments where you come up upon like a scene, and there's like supposed to be a pause where you kind of get a pan of the scene, and you could see the camera being adjusted. You could see the character being adjusted so that it would fit perfectly into the scene. Like the game doesn't do stuff automatically that a lot of other games do. Like I could see the player like trying to almost mm. mimic some of that stuff. Um, the other thing I would say is, and I haven't played it, so I don't know how it feels, but looking at the combat, it looks slow, slower and clunky er. Mm -hmm. The animation, not as good. Uh, it just doesn't look... It looks good. I mean, technically, it's a great... It looks like game. Arkham Origins. Yeah. It looks like a Batman Arkham game that wasn't made by Rocksteady, yeah, I guess. It looks like Arkham like Origins. It, yeah. look, it looks like... You know, clearly, WB Montreal had a different theory on how the combat should work in that game, which I think was inferior to Rocks, Rocksteady's. Yeah. And apparently, they're sticking with it on this because, like, you're right. It does look slower than the other Arkham games. It does look... Um, there's just there's just a it's just not as smooth and no smoky. There's, there's, it's it's not I don't expect it to be Arkham City yeah. I guess would be what I'd say you know I I don't expect this to be as good as Rocksteady at at their peak but I do expect it to be better than Arkham Knight because yeah. that game blows like <laughs> um, and I did replay I replayed all three of them last year and uh, you still hated Arkham did Knight not in my opinion did not change on any of them Asylum <laughs> and City are still masterpieces and uh, Knight is still garbage. All right. Um, it's just not enough. Even playing it with all, it helps to play it with all the DLC in place because there's like more actual Batman villains involved, and you get to do some like real more Arkham style, you know, dungeons, if you will. You know, yeah. that don't involve having to involve the car. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still not. I also don't know how I feel about how often some of the moves in this feel like super moves. Yeah, you, like it does of, seem like you, you get know, to use them more often than in prior games. Yeah, it's just like it just it doesn't feel quite like like the Arkham games had sort of this thing where you had your arsenal. Yeah, you know, and like, even to the point that there were always there was always an achievement for you know a free form combo that used every one of your abilities. Right. Yeah. But this feels like there's gonna you're gonna be building up bars and stamina things and to unleash yeah. a thing. You know, because you can even see in the corner in the demo there was like a four segmented bar. Yep. That looked like a like a you know power bar to use special moves or whatever. That's not really what Arkham is to me. Like Arkham is more about using the combat system to sort of like circumvent challenges and and just you know get rack up huge combos and sort of like deal with what's in front of you and not like build up a huge bar. The only thing that was like that in the Arkham, Arkham combat was really like the ability to do like a, a takedown combo or like the super you know like you know could do the the bat the bat cape thing, whatever mm. you spit bats at and everybody got stunned, that kind of yeah. thing. This feels more like you're doing smart bombs with them. Yeah. You know, it's a little, it feels a little by rote. Well, me. when they were explaining some of the, the mechanics and how you did stuff, a lot of that stuff seemed convoluted. Like I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I wrapped my head around the control scheme while I was watching the demo. Um, mm -hmm. And it does look like maybe it's going to be a little more complex. A lot of times when you start incorporating RPG elements, that just intrinsically happens. Um, yeah, but it's kind answer, of expected. Yeah. But to answer my own question earlier, which you already answered, which is which game 
uh, is am I more excited for? I got to go with Suicide Squad, I'll be honest with you. Um, some of the stuff I saw on Gotham Knights sent off red flags for me. Uh, I've never played, and I know you didn't like Arkham Knight, but I did. Um, I've never played a Rocksteady game that I didn't like. Uh, I have more faith in Rocksteady to deliver a polished, um, really good game. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I just feel like Suicide Squad has more personality from what I've seen so far. Like this, Gotham Knights... I don't know. It feels like a side story, like a something that should have come in between an Arkham game. Um, I just feel like they're... I, I have more faith in Rocksteady. I like the concept better of Suicide Squad, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I realize... I like the concept better of Suicide Squad. I just don't think that concept is what they're going to do any justice to. Like Could be, yeah. Like, I would... I could definitely see a really cool Assassinate the Justice League game, but that's not what... I don't feel like that's what they're going to make. Um, I just... I have very... I don't know. I guess my expectations for Rocksteady are just very high. Um, every game I've ever played of theirs has just been, you know, you, you may not have liked the design decisions of Arkham Knight, but that still was a very polished game. Um, um, if you didn't play it on PC, yes. Right, that's true. Well, they were going through a run of every game they released for PC from WB was a disaster mm -hmm. for a while, so I'll give them a pass on that. So, mostly just for developer pedigree, I'm going to go with Suicide Squad, but I'm excited for both of them, to be perfectly honest with you. I think they both reflect where games are going. Um, and I think that's good. I do think they're both, they both feel like they're too late. Yeah. Well, they both feel like, like it doesn't seem like it should have taken you five years to figure either. No, of I agree with out. that. Yeah. I mean, we've had games like this for the last like four years now, at least. Um, but I also feel like they're not going to feel dated either when they come No, out. probably not. I just feel like it's, it just seems really weird. It took this long to get two games that really don't seem like they're breaking a lot of molds. Agree. It feel, like, they, both, they both feel like very they're template, logical. Template games. They feel like very logical next steps for these, these properties. Yep. Uh, right down to the fact that Suicide Squad was teased in a game that came out in 2014. So, like, what happened? Yeah. Like I get that, it. I, I, most most of my questions about these games relate to don't relate to the games. They relate to why did it take this long to put out a co-op bat family game and a Suicide Squad game? It both seem like really obvious moves, but maybe the Suicide Squad game is going to be really ambitious. We just don't know. Maybe yet. I mean, it might be explain why they decided to move it fully to next gen. Like, yeah, maybe the tech just couldn't run it. Whatever they're trying to do. to do. Let's hope. Let's stay positive. I like that. We'll go glass half full on that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, as we said, one of them coming next year sometime, no release date. And the other one coming 2022, also no release date. Though Rocksteady did basically say, uh, we're going to need all of 2022. So yeah. probably the fall of 2022 for Suicide Squad. But um, I'm sure we'll get more updates as their uh, development goes on and the release date gets nearer. And we'll make sure we cover that stuff right here on Game Face. All right, next up. The return of a long-awaited franchise from one of the industry's most beloved developers, Rare. It's Battletoads for Xbox mm. One. Game was announced a long time ago. Just straight up disappeared, basically, for a long time. Disappeared for like two years. Yeah. And then comes back one day with a trailer, and then like a month and a half later, it's released, and it has come out. Now, Matt, I have not had a chance to play this, um, but I obviously have played the original Battletoads. Mm. So... The first thing I'm going to ask you is, is how similar is it to the OG Battletoads? Um, not tremendously. Um, in, I mean, there is still side-scrolling punching stuff, but there's a lot more of it, and the, fi the fighting feels a lot more like, um, like a modern Streets of Rage sort of thing. Uh, there's still like the thing where you know, at the end of a combo, they do the big morph 
their hand gets huge and punches the guy or like, you know, there's, there's like wacky attacks where they turn into like, you know, they turn into like weights and land on guy you know, the, 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 that kind of like slapstick humor is still there, but it's, you know, like, but, but the fighting in that regard in the original Battletoads was almost an afterthought. The real challenge came in like the weird puzzles, the weird boss fights or the, the, the stupid bike thing. Really. Like, yeah. <laughs> But it was, and this is much more of a straight up beat 'em up with like occasional diversions. Um, I'll admit I'm not a huge Battletoads fan. I, I've never I, been either. I feel like it's been one of the most over talked about, overrated, yeah. over covered, over discussed well, retro well, games of all. Here's the time. here's the dirty <laughs> little secret: the original Battletoads is terrible. It really like, it's is. A, it's a terrible game. Yeah, it's like, not. It just it's, became famous because it was impossibly hard. Yeah, That's very hard, and everybody challenge. rented it because they wanted to like it, but you, it was very hard to like it because it was just so damn badly made. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of the reason you couldn't beat that game is because it sucked. Like, yeah. It, it was not You're fair. Right. It was poorly it, designed, yeah. And, like, to be fair, this is a much better game in that regard. Okay. Um, so I've Does played, it have I've the played, challenge, though? Is it hard? Not really, no. like not on that level. So, like, but there's a hard mode. There's a battle. There's three. There's three levels. There's like tadpole, toad, and battle toad. Battle toad like ups everything to ma like. So, if you want to play something on the level of the original game, I think the first. I think the hardest difficulty matches that pretty well. Um, it mostly, it's just annoying though. Like the cause, again, there's like a lot of like. Um, there's some assists on the other difficulties. So, like, uh, you can actually earn invincibility. Uh, optional invincibility on the first two difficulties, and like if you if you get to a point where you're like having trouble, you hit up on the D pad and you're briefly invincible. Oh wow! Um, so that they, they realize that, and then there are some acknowledgments of how difficult the old games were. Uh, the other thing is um, there are not really lives in the game, uh, and I actually like. I thought this was pretty cool the way they did this. Um, the three battle toads you can switch between them at any time. Um, and are you they also always get, on screen? No, only only the ones you're using. Okay. So so you can see there in the footage here it says tag in under mm -hmm. pimple and zits. You just hit down on the D pad for pimple, right for, right for zits and left for rash, and they'll tag in whenever. And that you can actually do combos that way. Oh, cool. Um, kind of like what I was in. talking about with. Yes. Uh, okay. Exa yeah, I actually thought of that when Team you up attacks. That Suicide yeah. Squad. Um, so the way that works is if you, if you get killed, if one of your toads gets killed, that you just, another one just dro drops in and then a timer counts down until the other, the toad that got knocked out is revived. Oh, so it's just a cooldown for death yeah. basically. So the, the cooldown that like when they get revived, they only have half their health left. So, okay. and, and bringing back health is hard. You have to, you see the flies flo floating there. Yeah. You get health back by eating the flies, just like the original game. Uh -huh. uh, but you get very little health from them so like it takes a long time to get that life bar back up and like you can take maybe four hits wow um, okay the life, so the life bar goes down then. fast but the trick is you know as long as you don't run out of toads you don't die so, so as basically long as, as long as you can stay down. alive for right. one cooldown you're good yeah. as long as you don't get killed um all three toads killed in like one fight you're basically okay um that, when you say now, the cooldown how long is like the cooldown like like i want to say it's like 10 15 seconds Oh, okay. It's, it's not huge. Wow. Uh, okay. But it's enough that, like, if you're in a big hard fight, um, it you're can like, be come on, come on. <laughs> uh, and remember, like, they only come back with half life, so right, that's maybe right. two hits. If you if you're careless, you can die real fast in this. Um, so it's not like it, I do think it's easier than the, the original game because it plays fair for the most part. Uh huh. Uh, but this is you know, and like the like the the air the, the air bike level is 
the cameras behind you and uh, okay sideways so you're just sort of barely <laughs> yeah. and, and to be fair the fun so the, the there is some, some knowing stuff going on so like what you're seeing here is um the first level where the the toads fight uh these like gangs and bad guys and this big pig guy who reminds me a lot of uh bebop from yep the turtles <laughs> yep. um fights him and there's like there's everyone's cheering for the battle toads and everyone's freaking out and like and they're all superheroes and they fly around and and fly off at the end they're like yes we can fly now we're good we're gods <laughs> and, and, and then they get somebody pokes their head in and they find them and they're like oh my god there's toads in this bunker and it turns out that they've for the last 26 years since the last battle toads game <laughs> they've been in a virtual reality bunker in a fantasy world where they're super famous and like awesome superheroes. And in reality, no one remembers who they are. Oh, and so they get, they get, so the second level, they let them out. And the second level is literally, you have to play as each one doing a menial job. <laughs> like, like you have to do like, uh, you have to like do data entry with like, yeah, I saw like one with like a massage or something. Kind of massage, yeah. yeah. And like, and they're and like one, context sensitive, like quick time events. Some of them, right? Yeah, and like signing signing autographs at a tiny comic convention, like it's very depressing. <laughs> um, that's the whole level. That's like, pretty that's clever. That's pretty. So, clever. so there's it's very irreverent. Uh, it's a little, as the kids say, try hard at yeah. times. Like it's a little much in places. Uh, they now, do they give you the tools for the combat? Like, do yeah. you have like parries and blocks and all that nah, kind of stuff? There's not really any parries, but like. The the so they did differentiate between the toads in this one, which they did a little bit in the old game, not in the first game, but in, in the like the Battle Toads Double Dragon. They had a little bit of you know they they developed their own personalities for the most part. So Rash, who has the sunglasses, who's literally called the one with the sunglasses, um, <laughs> he's kind of the all rounder. He's like he plays the most like the original Battle Toads game. Uh, Pimple is the big bruiser guy. He's slow but hits really hard. Like he can take out. He can take out guys in two combos. It takes Rash like four. Okay. And then, um, and then Zitz is he's a tech. He's the tech. He's Donatello. He's the tech guy, and he's well, he's faster and does like longer, faster combos, but he does less damage. Right. Um. Again, he the tech thing is played up to like if you get knocked over as as Zitz, he teleports back up. Like he doesn't even get up. He just teleports back up. There's a lot of fun little hand hand drawn animation gags in this. Um, the animation the, is amazing. Some here's of it the uh, really here's good. the massage yeah. game here. So this is where um, they're taking up menial jobs to get yeah. by. And what happens is no one gives a shit about them basically. And uh, uh, Rash has a big problem with this, so he tracks down where the Black Queen, who's the main bad guy from the original game, where she is, and says we can go find her and beat her up, and then we'll be famous again. <laughs> and so you go do that, and it turns out that she is also. Down and out. She, she was kidnapped by the same aliens that have invaded the planet and has been like enslaved by them doing like weird shit for them for, for 26 years. So, so then they realize that like, oh, no one knows who she is either because she's been gone as long as we have. So beating her up won't matter. So they team up to fight the aliens. Oh, okay. Um, and that's kind of where it goes from there. Uh, and it's like, it's interesting. Like I will say this: it's a the the fighting is a little repetitive at first until they introduce they start introducing a whole bunch of weird special things. So like uh, X is standard attack, Y is harder attack, and B is sort of special attack. Mm -hmm. B is where they turn into weird objects and like can do like special moves and like turn like one of them turns into a shark and dives down from the air on them. One of them turns into a speaker and blasts out stuff from both sides. So it's kind of a crowd clearer. It's also if you run into a guy who is blocking, you hold B and you'll charge like a power attack and let it go and that'll make them dizzy and then you can hit them. 
um, for free. And then they started introducing all these modifier things where you where you hold uh, the left trigger to activate. So you hold left trigger and hit uh, Y, and you spit your tongue out and eat flies. Um, or you can pull collectibles to you. And then you have the X button, and the X button... Uh, you hold it and you will pull an enemy to you. Or if you tap it, you'll grab the enemy with your tongue and go to them. And then the A button, you spit bubblegum. And if you spit bubblegum at them, uh, you can destroy things that give you collectibles or you can stick an enemy to the ground and not let them move for a brief amount of time. And then the B... And it's just, so it, it just goes on. So eventually you realize it's really... And at first you're like, oh, okay, there's all these things I don't understand. Like, it's just too many things to deal with. I'm just going to punch people. But that doesn't work. And eventually you realize that like um, using... The tongue thing, using the tongue to pull enemies to you or pull yourself to enemies, like that's a key way of getting out of the way because you can dodge with the right trigger, uh, but it's not as effective as just not being there. So you can move around and do that stuff like that, and you get into situations where like you've got guys who like sit there and just shoot at you, and you can't stop them from shooting at you until you beat them up. But you can't beat them up until you can get across the water, but the water is electrocuted by electrified by this electric guy. So what you have to do is dodge the projectile, use your tongue to pull the electric guy to you and then beat him up. And then while dodging the, the rest, then maybe you can spit <laughs> some gum at the guy and freeze him for all. So you can beat the other guy up in peace. And then the water's not electrified. You can go across the water and beat up the guy who's shooting the projectiles at you. But in the meantime, they probably sent more guys at you and they were probably blocking. So you have to have time to charge up your B attack to hit them. But while you're charging that B attack, you're probably going to get shot in the back with a guy's projectile. You better hit him with <laughs> double gun. Like there's a lot of ben, decision. I feel making. another cartoon of you coming on. <laughs> there's a lot that. of decision making that happens on a moment moment basis in this game that you don't necessarily realize when you're sort of going through the tutorial stuff but by the end of act one you're like oh like there's a lot here okay um so it, it feels real simple but after a while you realize that to deal with the various abilities they start giving the enemies you have to use everything in your arsenal which i think is a really cool i, I like it when beat-em-ups do that when they when they make you learn the whole system and this game definitely has been doing that so i, I give it i give it big points for that awesome so you're enjoying it I am enjoying it. Like, um, I, I one thing I've noticed, uh, I haven't had a lot of time to play it because, like, I, it's just been a week. But, um, like, I'm at the end of Act 1, uh, beginning of Act 2, and I do want to go back and play more. It seems to be four acts long. Okay. Um, the the And it's like, some of it's, I mean, not a lot of it's super funny to me just because I think it's a little much in places. But, like, there's things, like, there's some subtle stuff. Like, when you do the air bike level, um you know, you you do this. You're doing the thing. You're and at first you're like, oh, I just have to dodge left and right. It's much easier than having and jump. It's much easier than like seeing the things come at you at five thousand miles an hour in the original game from the left from the side of the screen, right? Yeah, because the perspective was hard to. But judge. then it, they start to they start to make them closer together, and then they start to add pits, and then you start going <laughs> faster, and then it's like, and the trick on that is if you hit something, this the fr the toad is out. And then so you, you have the three chances. You have, you have three hits. Yeah. And then if you cross a, uh, a a checkpoint, you get them all back. They all they all okay. regenerate. Uh -huh. um, and then you get to start from that checkpoint. So it's not too bad. But that level goes on for so long, <laughs> and that's the joke, right? Like that's right. the joke because like that level felt like it never ended. This level. Put it this way: every level has a like kind of like an A rank. Like you know, you get an extra collectible for completing it with this challenge done. The challenge on the on the speeder bike level is to finish it in less than eight and a half minutes. <laughs> that might so, be where I stop playing the game. Well, no, because like you can just finish it normally. <laughs> but like, but that level must. have... I think that level took me fifteen minutes. Oh, geez, and, that's and at like some too points, long. 
And not because I was stuck on the same part over and over again, because it's I would just, long. it's just, it just goes on and on <laughs> and like, you'll, and you'll die and it'll, it'll do the reload screen. And it'll it like, at one point, the tooltip was literally deep breaths. You got this. <laughs> it's just like, like they know, like positive reinforcement. Know. Yeah. Um, but, it's, and it's like, it never gets not fun, okay. but like you, it, it, you can see the spirit of the original game in there. Yeah. Um, but less frustrating and more sort of like, yeah, we know, but we're still going to kind of do it to you. But we know, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like it and and there's like weird old things like like there's hacking mini games where you have to open a door. And like sometimes it's just like hit buttons in the right order and like activate the electricity and it goes through the pipes. And there you go. Sometimes you have to do this hacking thing where it's like there's a there's a line and hazards. And you have to move like a little battle toads head across the whole thing. And like it's like a puzzle, but it's also like a like a timing thing. Um, and it's just, there is no lack of variety in gameplay on this. Let me tell you that. At one point, you have to play Toad Shambeau to make a decision where wow. all three of them do the... Do, <laughs> but the thing is, all their signs they're doing with their hands are complete nonsense. And it's right. like, the, the tutorial is like, Toaster beats Puppet beats Omelette, of course. You know, and like, but then they throw <laughs> stuff that doesn't even meet, it isn't even those three things, and sometimes they win and sometimes they don't. So when I did it, I won every single round, and I thought that was the joke. Like I figured, okay, so like it, it just doesn't matter. Like you're gonna win, whoever you're playing as, you win, and that, and he decides what you're gonna do next. Yeah. But then I got an achievement for getting a flawless victory and actually Shambo doing it right. That only 1.2 percent of players <laughs> had. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, right. so that was just super lucky, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You just so it's stuff it right. like that. Like stuff like that goes constantly. At one point, they asked the the Black Queen. They're like, "We'll give you 10 seconds to explain yourself, and, and then we're gonna start beating you up." And she lays out like she says in ten, literally in ten seconds, she must say what should have taken like a minute. But she <laughs> just it's, it's, like I didn't even catch all of it. And at the end of it, they're like, "All right, that was pretty good." You know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. So, so if you're, it, it's it like, sounds like it's, Battletoads. It does sound like. I mean, it actually sounds like Battletoads in like kind of what was in people's heads. What it was. What Battletoads was supposed <laughs> what to be. What it really wasn't, though. But never yeah. was. Yeah. It, yeah. It, like this feels like a realization of what like people thought Battletoads. People was expected like. it to be. It's actually it's actually got a pretty deep combat system. It's got like actual humor in it. The animation is gorgeous. Um, it really is. It's pretty yeah, long. There's a lot of challenge to it if you want to dig for it. There's like ratings for everything. There's ratings for each each fight you get in. You're you're rated by how well you did. Um, I don't pay attention to that because who's got the time? Um, but it's there if you want it. Uh, and it's it's moderately fun. I mean, it's, it's not as funny as it thinks it is, but it is pretty funny in places. Now, I'm um, assuming you got this on Game Pass? I did. And that was yeah. actually one of the other things I was going to say is I've noticed something about Game Pass in that I am much more willing to just play a game for a little bit and say, ah, fuck it. And yeah. Never touch it again. Well, why because not? It didn't cost me anything, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I know if I keep going back to something, I actually really like it on game. You know, if it's a Game Pass game that I go back to voluntarily after I do this show, like it's clearly a game that I enjoy, then I will go back to this one. Yeah. So that's about as good of an endorsement as I can give it in that regard. It's like I, I don't consider these games to be an obligation to play because I didn't really spend money on them beyond the subscription. And if I keep going back to them, like that's a that's a that's an endorsement to me anyway. Do you know how much it's selling for? I don't know. I, don't, I didn't actually look. I don't know if it actually shows me that uh, if I have Game Pass. It just says download it. Maybe someone in chat knows offhand how much it's going for so we can Maybe, share If I it. Google it, I bet it'll tell me. 20 bucks. Sneaky Shalad Snake says $20. 20 so, bucks is pretty good for this. That's, it sounds like it. It sounds like that's a good deal. Like, it's definitely better than Streets of Rage 4. Yeah. Did you like play? I was going to ask you actually. Do you, which do you like better? 
Um, I mean, personally, I like Streets of Rage four better because I like Streets of Rage, and I like like Battletoads is not doesn't hold any nostalgia for me. Streets of Rage does, but I do think Battletoads is a better game. Okay, if that makes any sense. All right, so there you go. You can get Battletoads for free on Xbox Game Pass. It's only twenty bucks. It's only available for is it? I guess pieces of PC versions available now. I would assume. Uh, I think I think so. I don't know. Uh, yeah, very, it's, on, it's on it's on PC. Yeah, yeah. So PC and Xbox One um, will be interesting to see if if Microsoft ends up trying to distribute that to other platforms um, because this does seem like a game where at least on Switch it might make a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean it might. Uh, it, it, I think the audience would be there for it. Absolutely. I mean, a bigger audience probably than there is on Xbox. To be perfectly you could, honest, uh, you could you could slam one of these guys in Smash while you're at it too. Yep, Banjo and Smash. We've been waiting. All right, next up, we're going to talk about a sports game briefly. I know how much you guys love sports games and how much you guys all play them. Although I would say this, I am pleasantly surprised by how many people on Sifted actually like sports. (laughs) Um, Actually talking about uh, our fantasy football league from last week, it looks like everybody but one person so far is back in. So I'm just waiting for one other person to reply, but it looks like we might have one slot. Um, If you're interested, uh, DM me on Sifted, just at Shane in your messages, and it'll get to me uh, if you want to play. But anyway, we're going to talk about golf. Um, this year is the first year that 2K Sports has its own golf game. Um, but there is a bit of a catch. This is this game was not built from scratch as the brand new 2K PGA Tour game. This game is actually a game called the Golf Club that has been in development for a long, long time. And it's been an indie game that kind of built its own kind of cult following um, and in fact, just last year, the golf club finally got some licensed stuff in it. It finally got some real golfers and real gear, which my my guess is that's probably what made it catch 2K's attention to snap up its develop snatch up its developer and then change the title of the game and start creating golf games under the 2K banner. So with all that out of the way, um, this game's really good. <laughs> I was very surprised by this game. Um, as you guys are going to see in the B-roll, it is not a pretty game. <laughs> in fact, it is one of the worst-looking games that I have played in a long time. If you want a good comparison of kind of the level of the visuals in this game, think about, like, European, like, truck simulator, games like that, where the trees are like a brown pole, and then just, like, five sprites crisscross down the pole to make the trees. Like, it is... It looks okay from far away. The closer you get to anything, the worse it looks. In particular, the golfers. Now, you can create your own golfer. I, it's, you, you won't be able to create something that looks just like you. I'll say that. I wasn't able to because there's only like seven hairstyles or something like that. But you can create your own golfer. And I'll say this. The, the golfers that you create look okay. Um, the real golfers that are in the game, and there's not all of them, because when you start to play a tournament in this game and you start scrolling down through the participants, more than half of the of the players, they have their name for some reason, but they have, like, no photo of them, which is pretty bizarre. So I don't know if the license that they signed... There's, a, there's usually a separate license, yeah. Yeah, so I guess they didn't get the license for the likenesses for some of the guys. Because, well, yeah, you'd have to go probably pay individual likeness rights. Because I, uh, I think I think especially golfers have you know because individual endorsement they deals do. in that regard. Yeah. So like, yeah, I can see. I mean, I guess you just decide who you think's worth paying money for and who isn't. 
Yeah, no tiger. Um, so tiger would have tiger would have been the whole budget of the game. Exactly. Like, yeah, uh, but there are some there are some big golfers, um, but not all of them. And Kepka, I didn't see him. Like, in fact, now that I think about it, probably the five biggest golfers going right now, I did not see in the game. But yeah, it would like, make sense. But like the five to ten, I did. Um, so anyway, they look terrible. They, they, <laughs> it doesn't really matter because they only look like rough approximations. Like. The engine for this game, like they haven't quite figured wow. out, like not right. a lot of self shadowing going on there. There's none, wow. and there's that weird stuff where, like, if a golfer is like wearing a baseball cap, like the gap between the bill and the actual cap on top of your head, the light shines down through <laughs> like the gap, so the lights like shining on their like that's what you're expecting with this game, but it plays really, really well, and the, I think the thing that struck me the most about this game is how user-friendly it is. Literally, my first drive in the game, I drove like 300 yards right down the fairway. And there are some assists that help. Um, but the way the controls work in the game, they're just very intuitive. The swing meter feels perfect, just as far as like, if you ever golfed, there's a rhythm to it. And there's my clubs right back there. There's a rhythm to it, as far as when you draw back, and then your pause, and then when you swing through. And they have replicated that perfectly with the swing meter in this game to the point where it just feels natural. Um, and so I was able to start playing this game very well, like right out of the gate. And I, full disclosure, I have played a ton of golf games through the years. I haven't played any for a while, um, but back in the day, I used to play a ton of hot shots golf. I have played way too much. Um, so I have been very pleasantly surprised by the gameplay in this game. The putting feels good. Uh, the speed of the clubs feels good. Uh, the assists are there, but they're not overbearing. Uh, I was just able to immediately start playing this game and enjoy playing golf. And that's not always the case when you're talking about golf sims. Um, and there are some barriers. Like, there are some things in this game that are harder to find than they would be in other golf games. Like, just putting, like, a backspin on a ball. Uh, say your, your, your approach shot from, like, 80 yards and you use a 9-iron or a wedge and you flop it. And you want it to just hit the green and either stop or spin backwards a little bit. Doing that in this game is a lot more complicated. There's like a modifier shoulder that you have to use and you have to hold like down on the D-pad while you do the swing. I would like to see them find a more intuitive way to do that kind of stuff, but you can really shape your shots in this game. Unlike any golf game I've ever played before. Like after a while, I just started messing around with it to see what I could do. I mean, I could hook like the ball around like a horseshoe. Like it's, pretty amazing what you can do in this game. Um, now, the other thing I would say about it is modes-wise, it's a little light. Um, as far as playing by yourself is concerned, there's really just one option, and that's just playing the PGA Tour. Um, there's really no option to just kind of go and play like one round of this, of this course or like five holes of that course. It's all tied into the big career PGA Tour mode, which I would add is great. Um, as you play through each course, you get you get points and money that you can use to unlock new clubs and new clothes. And all that stuff is pretty much cosmetic as well. Um, and then anything that you use or that you unlock in the, in the campaign in the PGA Tour mode, you can then take into multiplayer. And that was where the game really kind of had its issues. First of all, online multiplayer... There are two options. There's a really awesome like pro clubs option where you can start like your own golf club. And that's was a big feature of golf club before it was changed to PGA tour 2k. Um, you can basically just, just play a match between someone. And when I say match, it means 
you don't keep aggregate score as you play all the holes. It's I won this hole, you won that hole. When we get to the end of the holes, whoever won the most holes wins. And that's pretty much all you can play online against other people unless you want to join sort of these huge organized clubs where there's like 50 real people in them, which looks awesome. But I think for most people, you just want to play the front nine at Sawgrass or whatever. You don't want it. The commitment's too long. The lag was a big problem. The guy I was playing against, poor guy. I don't know if he was playing on like Wi-Fi the first time I played online, but he could not hit the ball. And he, it, he, I could see his meter was like jerking all over the place. I didn't have any problems, but he did. I destroyed him. So latency, as in any game where you have a meter like this, is a huge, huge problem. So if you don't have a really reliable internet connection and you want to play this game online, you don't see yourself playing through the single-player stuff, then you should probably steer clear. But I think just overall, I would say for a debut entry in a brand-new franchise from 2K Sports, it is very, very impressive. Um, it has all the sim elements you could want, and I think that's it's been a good marriage because the golf club was this crazy, hardcore, rigid golf sim that was all about like data and numbers and and the the degree of slope on your clubs. And this game has all that stuff, but 2K also kind of made it so it was for the rest of us. Uh, golf club was for hardcore golfers. Now this game is for people who maybe like golf but just like to play golf video games. So I feel like. The union of the two companies has been a good one. It's resulted in a really good game with horrible graphics. So I'm hoping <laughs> that in the next couple years that they can get the technical end of the game up to scratch. Maybe somebody at Take-Two, one of their studios, gives them a better engine to use. I don't know. Um, but I would guess that it'll probably be a priority before the next game comes out because it does really look bad at certain points. But I've really enjoyed playing this. It is very relaxing, even though you know the online matches are just match play. It's still very relaxing to play a golf game after a long day of work. Just sitting there, you get to sit and watch like the person you're playing against approach the ball, take their shot. You you still get kind of those butterflies you get when you really golf, uh, when you're the one who's up to drive and everybody else is standing around watching you. Like my wife won't play golf because of that. She hates it. Um, but that's a big important part of golf. And you definitely get that playing this game online. If you won the last hole, you drive first. So Everybody else is watching you drive. And you can see everything that that other person is doing, too. You can see them adjust their stance, all of it. So um, I'm impressed with this game. I didn't want to talk about it too long because I know most of you guys don't give a crap about it. But uh, I've enjoyed it a lot, far more than I really thought. Much better in pretty much every way than I thought it was going to be, except for the visuals. But I did kind of expect them to be bad because this, again, is just kind of the next year for the golf club, which I've known about for quite a while. So... If you like golf, if you like golf video games, there aren't a lot of other options out there. You have like golf story and kind of some cartoony RPG-ish stuff. Um, but if you like real golf, this is the best game in town and really the only game in town because EA dropped PGA for the last couple of years and there was just nothing. So uh, it gets a thumbs up for me. If you like golf video games, I do not think that you're going to regret uh, buying PGA Tour 2K21. Uh, any questions, Matt, before we move on? Not really. Have you uh, ever enjoyed golf games? Because I will say this. Yeah, I, I like the Everybody's Golf or Hot Shots Golf. Yeah. Um, I like uh, Super Swing Golf or Pangya, as it yeah, was called. Yeah. Um, and uh, I played a lot of Lynx back in the day on uh, on Mac. Old school. My old, my old Mac LC. Um, 
So while while you were talking about that, uh, Sony started sending out emails to pre-register to pre-order PS5s. Really? Um, it's literally signing up to register to say that you want to be allowed <laughs> to pre-order a PS5 directly from Sony. Um, Wait, directly so, from Sony? Yes, it seems to be directly from them. Wow, so they're going the Apple route. For the for part of it, yeah. Wow, and so you can uh, Chat's talking about it a little bit. Um, you, I just had the thing up here. So what you're telling me is no one heard a word I just said about. Uh, last <laughs> last five minutes, or, last five minutes or so were a little blurry to me. Yes. Um, but the invitation is is for per uh, PSN ID, and you can order a console or a digital edition, whichever you want, uh -huh. whichever version you want. Uh, up to two DualSense controllers, up to two DualSense charging stations, up to two Pulse 3D wireless headsets up to two media remotes, and up to two HD cameras. That's a lot. Um, now, you don't have wow. to order all of that or any of all. You can just order the console and you're done. But like, you those know what are they should do, Matt? Your options. If they're going to do this, you know what they should do? Is the people who have been members of PlayStation Plus since day one, who have that little badge that Sony sent out, we should get first dibs on PlayStation 5. You'd think. I mean, if you're going to do it that way, you should look at your most loyal customers and you should try to reward them. I don't, well, they, did you get the well, email yourself? I did not. And I have been a PS Plus uh, subscriber since day one. Me too. I mean, it, they just could be on and going in batches or whatever, but yeah, it's still very is. interesting that they're and doing look, direct orders. That's I don't know if I'll even do this because, quite frankly, I don't know if I trust Sony to get me that system on launch day. You know what? So, Pactor... Oh, man. I just realized. So, Pactor talks about all the time about how you know, GameStop will be angry if they stop selling physical games and how could it ruin that? Well, how about this? Like, if you don't mm -hmm. even want people to go into GameStop for your console launch now, where people will spend all kinds of money on the stuff that GameStop actually makes a profit on. It's, well, I don't, it's I, don't, I don't get the impression that this is supposed to be replacing brick-and-mortar stores. Like, it looks like there's a limited quantity here. Like there's a there's tons of warnings on the on the the thing and the registration site and stuff. They're like like what if I get the message that the, it's sold out? Well, then there's not enough PlayStation fives for you. Like it's basically uh, they're like just you know they're basically half the message seems to be braced for disappointment. So wait, um, are they allowed to do it right now, or or is it just an? You can go reg you can go register your PlayStation ID. Oh. To basically, tell them you're interested. But you can't pre-order them yet. No. Okay. Got it. Okay. You basically can tell them you're interested in pre-ordering them, so presumably they will send you a message that says, come pre-order at some point. I mean, if... if going on what we Pac We still don't know the price, so we still don't know the release date, and we still... Going on what Pac says, though, if they really cut out them out of the console sales, then, I mean, if according to Pactor, that means that the end of physical media is coming. Well, I'm sure you can also order them at GameStop. I mean, this is not going to be the only way to get a PS5. Yeah. Um, it's just a way if you want, I guess if you want to early, they want to get out in front of everything first. And if you want to, you know, if Sony can take your money directly, that's better for them, I guess. But again, like I said, I don't know if I trust Sony to get me that system on launch day. Yeah. Like, you know, I would probably rather order it from Amazon or Best Buy, which I know will get them to me on time. Yep. Um, one way or the other, I ain't ordering it from GameStop no matter what. So I don't care. You know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter for you. <laughs> doesn't matter whether Sony does this or not to me. But yeah. So uh, so anyway, breaking news right in the middle of game. Breaking yeah, news right before game today. phase. Breaking news during game phase. 
Um, all coming in the middle of my discussion about PGA Tour 2K21. <laughs> uh, one final note, the game is... It's like the universe was bored by the golf game <laughs> and decided to spice some shit up. <laughs> one thing I was going to say, though, is that golf games are kind of the one sports game that does transcend people who don't like sports. Mm -hmm. Some people like playing golf games, even if they hate sports usually. I, like, I mean, I like playing golf games. I like playing uh, baseball games. I like playing uh, tennis like tennis games because yep. um, they're all kind of basically like standard video game hand-eye coordination tests when you yeah. think about it. Like they, you don't need to care about the sport to enjoy playing a game about it. Yep. Um, we played Panya for hours and hours and hours and hours on the Wii. Like, yeah, I remember especially because it had like, the level up stuff and like, you know, all that. I mean, yeah. that was, it was really good. Um, um, I always like hot course shots. builder. I should mention there's a huge course builder in this too. It's actually, mm -hmm. you probably saw it at the end of the B-roll there. It's crazy. Like you can literally, I built a whole course, not just one hole. I built a whole course in like 30 minutes. Like that's how intuitive and easy the tools are. And then I uploaded it and blah, blah, blah. So there's a sifted course out there if any of you guys want to play it. Uh, the game is 60 bucks. I think it's wow. worth it. It is, but I think it's worth it. You're going to be able to play this game for a really, really long time. Um, I just so, wish it was a little better looking because, like, one of the things that was that's why I liked Lynx back in the day because yeah. obviously it was like it was bleeding all edge. Yeah. yeah, at the time it was gorgeous. You know, it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Had like the ambient sound. Like it was, it was uh -huh. very peaceful. It was like it was. This uh, game is too. Like it's got the birds chirping and the the creek running, and that's what I was saying. Like I've been playing it after I get done with work at night. I'll go and sit on the couch. I'll boot it up after we have dinner, and it's just a very relaxing way to pass the time. So again, mm -hmm. I do recommend it. Just don't get your hopes up about how it's going to look because you'll be very, very disappointed ultimately. Uh, all right, we're going to move on next to Outriders. Uh, this is the four-player co-op episode of Game Face, apparently, because we have another one. Uh, but this one is a little different from the ones we spoke about, but not all that different altogether, really. I have been calling this, as you can see in the lower third, Gears of Destiny. This game is made by People Can Fly, who I think they're most famous for Bulletstorm, but a lot of people forget that they were also the studio behind Gears of War Judgment. And you can see in this game all of those influences coming out into one product. Uh, so thus, Gears of Destiny. And as you start watching this B-roll, this B-roll starts with like a trailer, but then it gets into the actual gameplay. Um, and I was talking earlier about how it's hoping maybe the Suicide Squad could do some really cool stuff with like team-up attacks, this game does that. So once the B-roll gets a little bit further in, they'll start actually playing it. And they're playing it with four players. And don't get confused. When I first saw it, I'm like, this is the worst cut trailer I've ever seen. And what they're doing is they're cutting in between the four players to show you how they work together, or in some cases, just to give you a better view of some of the more amazing attacks that the characters are doing inside the game. Um, so it, it almost gave me a seizure when I first started watching it. And then I started to get it. They don't really explain like, hey, this is all four of us. We're cutting between all of us uh, while you watch this. And so as I said, people can fly. Uh, they're probably best known for creating combat that is more score-based than anything else. Mm -hmm. A bullet storm was like a combo-based first-person shooter. Uh, Gears of War was just true to the Gears franchise for the most part. Uh, they did a good job on that game, actually. It came out really good. Uh, but this game is like, it looks like Destiny as far as like you're shooting and the numbers are flying up and the bar is getting lower and they're spawning all over the place. But it looks like Gears, in my opinion, both in art style and in sort of the traversal and the cover system. Because there is 
a stop and pop cover system in this game, which may seem a little bit weird for a game like this, but based upon what they've shown, it looks like it works. And then the characters also have kind of this bulky kind of look to them where their shoes look like they're like 10 size bigger than they actually are. Again, kind of a gear staple. Uh, but they really let their imagination go wild in this game. Uh, some of the attacks that you can do in this game are just crazy. There are four classes, I believe. Let me get to my notes here before I get yeah. too, too far in. Um, yeah, there's four classes. They just unveiled, I believe, the last one, uh, which was the Technomancer, which is the name of a whole other game. Then there's the Pyromancer, the Trickster, and the Devastator. Each one of those has completely unique not even just like weapons, but just completely different skill sets. So the one that they just unveiled, the Technomancer, it uses turrets, which I love. Uh, any character in any game that can throw down turrets, that's the character I'm going to play as. And that comes from the very first Star Siege Tribes. I played as the medium-sized guy who couldn't fly quite as far or run quite as fast, but he could drop turrets. And I love messing with people. Have them chase you, run around a corner, put the turret down, and just watch them run around the corner and just get mowed down. I love working with turrets in any game. In the Division 2, I had the turret. Like, that's just how I play. So I'm very excited that that's going to be in this game as well. But in addition to that, it all it also has, the Technomancer also has poison effects. It also has freezing effects. You can actually put the freezing effects onto your turret so that when your turret shoots the enemy, it slows them down and freezes them. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Now, I'll say this. When I first saw this game saw the first trailer for it, I was not that excited. I was excited for it until I saw it. But then it looked so generic. Like, the debut trailer for this game is just like, meh. After seeing this stuff, my opinion has completely changed. This is, game is not what I thought it was based upon the trailer. I thought it was just going to be another rote four-player cooperative shooter where you're just mowing down the same enemies over and over again. This game... I mean, not only does it stretch the boundaries of what this genre usually does, like content-wise, it's extremely gory. It's M-rated. Uh, there's one ability that you get where you have spikes just come up out of the ground, and it it's it's amazing. It impales the enemies, and you can see like the spike like stuck through their head, and it's happening like in real time. So, I'm impressed with this game. I've not been a huge fan. I'm not a gigantic Bulletstorm fan. I like the idea behind the game. I didn't enjoy playing it as much as I enjoyed talking about it, if that makes hmm. sense. Um, but, and, and look, Gears of War Judgment, a passable Gears of War game. Um, so I'm not a big fan of, bull, of, of People Can Fly, but this game looks like, unlike anything they've ever done, while still imparting the elements of the other stuff that they've done. Um, the other thing I like about it, too, is the weapons. They're not just, like, assault rifle, shotgun, pistol, long rifle. It, they're insane. And so, in that way, they're bringing kind of elements from, like, Borderlands and games like that into it. it I, I always try to stop myself when I start talking about a game, and I realize at a certain point that I've compared it to, like, five different things. <laughs> a lot of times, that's kind of a red flag. You're like... Wait a minute. They're trying to take every successful game and bring it into one, and sometimes that absolutely does not work. And that could be the case with this one. I'm just telling you that what I've seen of this game so far through gameplay has impressed me. What do you think of it, Matt? I still think it looks generic as all hell. Like yeah. I really have zero interest in this game, and it's probably also partly because I've never liked anything people can fly I've ever made. 
Um, I just don't really seem to like whatever their aesthetic choices and, and kind of gameplay choices are. My thing with this is I, not to drag another fucking comparison into the, into the mix, <laughs> but um, I keep thinking about Evolve. Um, not because it's an asymmetrical multiplayer thing, but because one of the things that can happen when you really try to make each class its own specific and specialized thing is it makes it really necessary that you're playing with other people that know what they're doing or playing with oh, other Matt, people that are... They've actually that are, fixed that already. Um, they did didn't they? fix it. Part of the features is that any any skills that you've unlocked in the game using any of the four classes, you can flip to on the fly and use. Hmm. So they've they I think they probably were like that could be a problem and they're like well how do we fix it this is how we fix it so that is one thing that I was impressed with as well is like you have these archetypes but as you learn stuff for each one of those you can bring them into your arsenal regardless of which class that you're using um, which I think is pretty cool well that's good I just, but again I'm sort of stuck in this place where I'm like just like, why do I care. Yeah. Like, why am I killing these guys? Like, what's going on? Like, what's I the will point? say, I still really have no idea what the premise of the game. No, I really there, don't. There's like, don't. like a campaign and everything, but like, I, does it matter? Like, probably not. <laughs> it probably doesn't. I mean, this is going to be a game as a service. Let's they want to kill your dick, and you have to kill their dick first. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all. That's good enough. <laughs> I think that's people can fly in a nutshell. Really, it, look. They say they have vehemently said that it is not a game as a service. They're like, mm -hmm. it's not. There, there's no microtransactions. There's none of that stuff. But then they go on to say it has a finite story. So. I don't know. I mean, does that mean there's going to be DLC afterwards? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's going to be like Borderlands, where it's just so big that you can play it over and over again. But that the really the, the draw on Borderlands is the loot, right? Um, I don't know. Like, I just don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm, the shooters are. I'm just sort of soured on shooters at this point. Um, so it's not like it's not like it's this game's fault or anything. Yeah. It's just not what I'm interested in right yeah, when now. When was the last time you were excited for a shooter, Matt? I can't remember. Infinite Warfare, maybe. Maybe that it might have, have yeah. been. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I do like right. shooters yeah. and I do play them all the time. And I am excited for this game. I look, I have trepidation. I'm not all in on it, obviously. I haven't even touched it yet. Um, but what they've shown me, I was pretty impressed with. The other thing I like too about it is that it's a third person game. And if it is indeed loaded with cosmetics and upgrades and gear, a lot of times when you do first person shooters, like that stuff's lost. Only everybody else can see all your stuff. Uh, so with third person games, you can actually see the gear and the stuff that you've unlocked on your character, which I think uh, adds some weight to it. But again, it's not a game as a service, according to People Can Fly. Hmm. Um, that's pretty much all the information we've got so far. Uh, they also said that the cooldowns for abilities are on really low timers because they want you to be able to keep using them. And if you watch this B-roll, like they show some of the abilities being used over and over and over again, which again is kind of a, a small wrinkle to what we're used to that could make a big difference in how a game actually feels to play. So I like all the stuff they're talking about. Um, I like what they've shown, or at least what they just showed. I was not really pulled in by their trailers. I do not suspect if you're a, someone who really enjoys stories and games that this is something you should keep your eye on. Hmm. But I do think if you if you like games that you can buy and play for a good chunk of time and get your, your money's worth out of, and you like shooters or you're a Gears fan, I think there's going to be something in here for most of you to like. Um, it is coming at the end of this year, they're saying, uh, Q4 2020, no hard date yet. 
uh, and it's coming to all major current platforms. No word yet on how upgrades would work for PS5 or Series X from this game. Um, but I'm impressed with it. It's called Outriders. It's coming to pretty much everything, and it's coming in the fourth quarter, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again before it is released. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about a game that I played this week. Um, and the only reason I played it was because I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of the impressions of it. The first review that we curated to Sifted for this game, and it's Samurai Jack, uh, was like, it said the game was abysmal. And then as we started curating more, everybody else was like, holy crap, I'm pleasantly surprised by how great this game is. So I was like, I'm going to find out for myself. Yeah, I kind of thought this was going to be, I mean, I didn't play it yet, but I probably will. Uh, I do like Samurai Jack. But this is, the director of this game is one of the, the directors and lead designers on Ninja Gaiden and Ninja Gaiden 2. You can see um, it. So it's, and I like, if you watch, yeah, you watch the footage and you can, you can definitely see it. Like the pedigree is absolutely there. And he also did Dead or Alive 3 and a couple other things. Like this is a game by a guy who has made some really top level combat games. And uh, just, wa- I mean, I'm, I just didn't have time to get to it this week, but I am interested as a fan of Samurai Jack and as a fan of just like good hack and slash games. Well, I'll just say this. I was very pleasantly surprised by this game. Uh, it starts out, is Samurai Jack considered a kid's cartoon or an adult's cartoon? Kind of one of those, it's like Avatar The Last Airbender. It's like kind of for everyone. Uh, okay. Um, the kids can I, watch it, but it's also like there's stuff there for adults. I've never really watched the show, just full disclosure. I don't know a ton about the IP, to be perfect. I've watched a couple episodes here and there. Um, I think at some point somebody sent me like all the seasons on DVD for some other game that came out like years ago or whatever. But anyway, they did that a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know a ton about the actual IP, but I do know a lot about hack and slash games. And this one's pretty dang good. (laughs) It starts out really easy, like absurdly easy. And that's why I was asking you, Matt, because I was like, when I first started playing it, I was like, oh my God, this is a cakewalk. Like this must've been made for kids. And then I kept playing it and I got to like the third boss and that's when the screws got tightened down. And I was like, okay, no kid's going to get through this. Like the third boss, I had to fight like a bunch of times to finally beat. And it ratchets it up pretty quick. Even by like the second boss, it's getting to the point where you have to start using all the tools that they give you. And they give you all the tools. Like you have blocking, you have parries, you have have strong attacks, you have weak attacks, you have combos that that work that you unlock you have new you get new weapons it's not it's not an action rpg it's an action adventure you don't really level up jack you get new more powerful weapons that you get um instead as they go you can level up the weapons a bit but you get new ones so frequently and a lot of them are really fun and cool to use that i never really felt the need to have to upgrade them um but it's a linear Action adventure, hack and slash. It's not an open world game. Though the though you'll see once we get to the actual gameplay, once we get through the opening cinematic, you'll see that the levels actually are pretty open, but they are cattle shoots. There, there's one way to go. Uh, there are a couple places in the game where paths branch, um, and you may have to go one direction. And you'll find like a room with a treasure chest in it and a bunch of loot and stuff like that. And then the other way is actually the way that you go. But that's as far as it goes. Otherwise, it's pretty much a hundred percent linear game. It's impossible to not know where you're supposed to go, even and they even then they still give you like a waypoint indicator to tell you where to go. 
Um, but the intricacies of the combat in this game, I was very pleasantly surprised by. So as I said, it has all the basics, but it also has move canceling. Um, you don't get caught up in combos. It's really, really fast and really, really responsive. Matt, I had no idea that someone from Ninja Gaiden worked on this game, but I was mm. going to compare it to the combat in Ninja Gaiden because he's a samurai. So his slashes are like, you almost don't even recognize them because they happen so quickly. Now his 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 heavy attacks you do because they're more like overhand slashes, but his very quick like side slashes, they just happen like in the blink of an eye. And then like some of the enemies, if you land the strike right, will just split in half and just like fall over. Um, this game isn't like violent. There isn't a lot of blood in it, but there are lots of like decapitations and like where you're slicing enemies in half and they show kind of like what the innards of the enemies look like, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, the plot of the game is that um, Aku, I guess, is the bad guy from the series. Mm -hmm. Aku's daughter is in love with Samurai Jack. And the game starts, it looks like Jack is dead. The daughter walks up and she's all bummed out. She thinks he's dead. Um, and then Aku comes up and is like, ha ha, finish him off. And she's like, no, I'm not going to finish him off. And no, I'm never going to finish him off. And she rescues him, basically. But then they start falling through this like time warp. And Aku comes into the time warp, knocks him apart. Jack gets spit out the bottom of the warp. And then the daughter goes somewhere else. So basically, Jack ends up trapped in between time periods. It's not, he, Aku is trying to trap him there in a place where he cannot access other time periods. Because if you do know the IP, it was always about time travel. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole thing is about. Um, and, and it so, also gives this game a good excuse to send him to almost every time period that the exactly. series touched on. And that's what it does, is it facilitates the ability for this game to never get dull or boring. Like, you never feel like you're playing the same game forever. Because, again, it is like an old-school action adventure. The game is, like, segmented and split up in their theme. And so you never get sick of the themes of the game or the levels. Uh, the enemies eventually start to get really smart. You eventually get projectiles, like shurikens and knives that you can throw. Um, and it's it's got the whole system built into it where some, some enemies are very susceptible to projectiles. Some are very susceptible to a blade. You have to learn what enemies respond to as far as your weapons are concerned. Um, it is really good. I was, I, I'm was, still playing it. Like, I really thought it would be one of those indie games that I picked up and played for, like, an hour or two just to get the lay of the land. And then, like, like we've said before, when I die the first time, I'll quit. Uh, but I did not with this game. I kept playing, and it became more and more complex, more and more challenging. It never gets to, like, Dark Souls challenge. Uh, just so you know, it's not that hard. Uh, but it will test you, and it will make it will force you to learn how to do everything in the game, which is what good games do. So, I was pleasantly surprised by this game. I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm still having fun with it. The one drawback for me is that it's forty dollars. Yeah, it's pricey. I cannot abide. Um, look, this is more than an indie. I'll say that too. They're a full on animated cinematic. I'm sure you've been seeing them in the B-roll. It's not just an indie game where you go into the level, you finish it, and then you read text bubbles until you go to the next level. It actually is like a double A, maybe I would call it a double A game, but still for $40, that's a tough ask because it is ultimately an indie game and it does have a lot of the contrivances. It's not the best looking game, even though it, it's truthful to the IP it's not the best-looking game you're going to play this month. It's just not. Technically, it's underwhelming in a lot of ways, and there's some weird issues here and there. But again, it does service to the IP. You're not going to be offended by it or anything. But it's an indie game, and you can tell. Um, $40, 
I mean, right now I haven't looked it up, but I'm guessing the game is probably around 10, 11 hours long based upon where I'm at and how long it's taken me to get yeah, there. $30 feels like a pretty good impulse buy price for something like this. 40 seems a little over the line. 40 is too much. I would not pay 40 for it. I mean, even 30 is right on the edge. Like, I think if you sold this game for $25, it would do very, very well. Uh, um, the director says 10 hours on normal. Oh, so I had it right. There you go. Um, and I am playing it on normal, just so you know, as always. Um, just, you know, because most people do play on normal. We want to, when we talk about difficulty, we want to make sure it makes sense to you guys. So it's not a cakewalk. It's not a game for kids. They could probably get through the first boss or two, maybe. And then after that, they'll probably become frustrated unless you have really patient kids. This is really for adults, um, which I was surprised by. I think most of Samurai Jack's fans are adults by now. Yeah, that's probably true because it's been around for quite a while. Uh, the IP works well. I actually don't know much about it, but I liked the characters. I liked the world. Um, mm. I, I, I like. Yeah, Samurai Jack started in 2001. So wow, I didn't know that. That's I mean, they, crazy. Didn't, they didn't finish it until a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing but, that it's still relevant enough that they would yeah. put out a new game for it in 20. And it is the uh, you remember that Clone Wars animated series that yeah. was before the CG one was the hand drawn one. That's yeah. the same guy. That's yeah, the same you can guy. see it. You can totally see it. Um, but anyway, it was famous. It was big at the time because um, uh, it was one of the only cartoons on at the time that would do like combat and like fight scenes with no dialogue. Yeah, like, they look, just hold it through through. Visuals. They do that in the game too, and there's it, you know there's those moments where they pause on the character flying through the air with the sword tucked mm -hmm. behind his ear for like three seconds, and it does all that kind of kung fu film type of stuff. Um, but I think that's what inspired this franchise in the first place, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, yeah, I had fun with it. I do recommend it, but I would say I would wait until you can get it on sale for 25 or 30 bucks. 30 is pushing it for me. If you see it for 25, snatch it up right away. It's a shame this wasn't a Game Pass game. It is, um, because I think it, it could get a lot more exposure than it's going to get. Again, at 40 bucks, it's just it's tough. So there you go. Samurai Jack, Battle Through Time. Um, $40, but a really good game. So proceed with caution. Next. We're going to talk about something I mentioned a little earlier, and it's just kind of been a, a through thread for this whole kind of pre-Generation 9 discussion, and that is digital slash disc-free blah, blah, blah. Every week, it seems like we get a new hint that something is budging it in that direction. Uh, last week, it was Capcom announces 80% of its sales are digital, and then Pactor talked about that and said that was all fooey which I don't know that if I agree, if I agree with that either, but uh, but obviously some for some publishers, the transition to digital is already beyond kind of the breaking point. Uh, for some of them, they're making the bulk of their money off digital sales and not packaged goods. Um, I did not think that Ubisoft was one of those companies. I thought that it would be one of the last people to kind of put a stake in the ground over this, but it did exactly that this week when it announced that the special collector's editions for Far Cry 6 Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla would not come with physical versions of the game, but instead would come as a download code. Now, before we start discussing this, I should mention that there are plenty of special editions that come with just a download code. Ubisoft isn't the first. It's not going to be the last. However, when you start talking about the hyper-expensive versions of games, where you're spending $100, $200 for a bunch of statues and a steelbook case and a lithograph and all the other stuff that they jam in those things, typically you get the physical version of the game in those. 
Um, and so this is obviously if Ubisoft felt that it needed to mention it, it's news. Um, how do you feel about this matter? Do you even care anymore about physical media? I don't really care. And as a matter of fact, I would say this makes me more likely to buy a collector's edition. In really? The future. Because one of the downsides of the collector's edition to me at this point is that I get stuck with a disc copy. And I would rather have a digital version. In, because in the you have to majority. use that. You'll, you'll be stuck having to use that key going forward. Yeah. And having to, having to put the disc in if I want to play it, which is sometimes enough to dissuade me from playing with that game and switch to something that's easy. I can just hit the button and open right there. Now, Matt, um, it's very interesting to hear you say this because obviously while you're on Game Face, you're sitting in front of like 5,000 yes. <laughs> hard copy video games are you saying that despite your massive collection you have lost the urge to collect uh outside of stuff that means something to me or that i think is going to be like an item or a historical item yes like i got a, i did get a physical copy of ghost of tsushima not the collector's edition but i did mm -hmm. get a copy of that uh because i have a sucker punch collection and i want to keep that complete yep, sure um i still have physical copies of all the assassin's creed games because i like that series i will always buy a physical copy of like a team eco game or, you know, something like that. Um, but beyond that, like, I don't care about a physical copy of a game that isn't important to me in some way. So I will when always get digital. did that shift happen for you? Midway, probably midway through this generation. Okay. Um, also, Do you like, have a stack of, like, PS4 and Xbox One games? Uh, there's some back there. Like, you can see the... I the can see your PS4. You can see the, the PS4 up top and the Xbox One below it. I think there's two. There's a second shelf of PS4 below it. Okay. Um... Yeah, that's so still got, a pretty big collection for this gen. Not in comparison to the Xbox collection? 360. Well, of course not. Yeah, me either. And by the way, those 360 games are doubled up. So there's another row behind, behind every one them, of those. Yeah, so yeah my 360 more. collection is the most, the biggest collection I have for any platform. But like the PS4, I mean, so the PS4 games are like, like I said, Sucker Punch, uh, all the Yakuza remasters, um, the special editions of those, a uh, couple RPGs that I couldn't, I didn't want to get digitally because they were, I found them cheap at like Fry's or something, and they right. were still full price on PSN, that kind of thing. Um, but when it comes to like something like, like say I was going to get Watch Dogs Legion, like I would generally probably skip this collector's edition, partly because I don't care about having another statue of a, of a character I don't care about. Um, that's the other thing is like stuff like. Stuff like that where they're like, oh, like New Assassin's Creed's coming out. Special edition has a, has a collector's edition, has the statue of the new protagonist. I'm like, cool. I don't know if I like them yet. So yeah. why would I want a statue of them? What if I don't <laughs> they, like them? They do them? make a lot of assumptions with those things, yeah. for sure. <laughs> it goes back to the original Watch Dogs collector's edition. It was like the iconic hat that Aiden <laughs> Pierce wears. And I'm like, first off, there's nothing iconic about it because it doesn't come out yet. Second, why do you assume I want to wear Aiden Pierce's hat? Yeah. It's like, I, there's a whole lot of questions there. Yeah. But like if, if it came with something that was like, you know, I would be more likely to get it if it had a bunch of stuff I thought was cool because then I would get a digital code that I could just put in the in the system, get the digital version, not have to swap the disc out every time I wanted to play it. And because otherwise it means I'm eventually going to have to buy a digital version so I don't have to deal with a freaking <laughs> disc anymore. Like Now, Matt, obviously money isn't a concern for you, but you could use much. Where, where other people would be more drawn to physical media because you can resell it. You can trade it in. Yeah. But like, that's different than saying you're not going to put physical copies of the disc in to a collector's edition. Like, yeah, but I mean, some people who buy collector's editions, they may buy it with the idea of, okay, when I'm finished with this, I can still sell that physical copy and get, you know, 40 bucks on. Craigslist it just seems weird to me that it. if you were going to buy a super duper collector's edition of something, why wouldn't you intend to keep the game? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess. Like, I, that, if you're going to be, it's going to be enough. Want the, I mean, you know, sometimes, like, you just want the remote controlled car in Black Ops or whatever. You know, they put out that little mini fridge, I think, for one Call of Duty. Some of the stuff is actually pretty cool that you yeah, didn't But, but you'll also notice that that stuff doesn't sell and ends up, like, discounted at Best Buy. Six a lot of times it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Looking at you, Death Stranding Special Edition. Anyway. <laughs> the baby. Like, yeah. yeah. I may go buy that if it hits like five bucks, man. I feel like it might have at some point around here. I guess because like who who the hell's impulse buying collector's edition at Best Buy? At this I mean, point? there will never be a wackier like add-on for a collector's edition than yeah, I mean, the plastic baby. baby in a bottle is about <laughs> I mean, as weird as it gets. It's not not going to be tough. So if I see that around I, here for five or ten bucks, I'll definitely snatch it up. I'd be more concerned uh, uh, if like if Ubisoft announced that all physical copies of the game are just going to come with a download code in it, because then you're in Switch territory. Yeah, um, a bunch of Switch games have done that. Well, yeah, because um, the cards are too expensive. Yeah. The, the ones that can hold the whole game. So, and I do think that is a legitimate concern for people who who rely on the resale value, because obviously there's nothing to resell except a box. Yeah. Um. So, and who knows? You know, you hold on to that box for 20 years, it'll be worth thousand dollars at auctions. One thing we learned this week. <laughs> it's crazy, um, dude. It really is nuts. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen it, look up the profiles and history uh, auction that's going on. I have some video games in it. They got some sealed. Nintendo's games going back to the NES, uh, but they're you know they're in the the, the graded like sealed plastic like hard plastic cases. But there's a copy of GoldenEye that's that's sealed as like a nine point eight rated like right graded in a case. Bidding starts at a thousand. Yeah, and uh, some of these things. There's a thousand. Oh, it's a thousand bucks for uh, Luigi's Mansion sealed. Wow. Yeah. Now, granted, they're all in those, like, isn't those, like, you know, you send them in and they, yeah, yeah, you they grade, grade them, them and put them in. Yeah. You're never supposed to take them out ever again. Yeah. But but there's just, like, the, the there's, there's a Zelda, original Legend of Zelda NES game in the, in the you know, beautiful gold box, perfect condition, like 9.7, 9.8 condition, uh, $11,000 right now. Yeah. Um, now, Matt, do you think starting. that because physical... But it's, like, that the battery in that thing probably de- decayed years ago, and the, oh, yeah. the, everything in that's probably corroded, but you'll never know if you don't open it. Yeah, because you never open it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There could be nothing in there. Yeah. I mean, they I mean, probably x-ray it, I guess, right? They could, I guess, but who knows? I mean, like, do they? Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand the sealed-in box thing for video games. I don't, I don't either, because really it's so do. easy I have, to I have some stuff, but, like... The, just because I never got around to opening it, but it's not because I kept it sealed for like collectors. Re- like yeah. you, a video game, you should open and play. Uh, yeah. It's like a transformer to me. It's like if you haven't taken it out and transformed it, you didn't really use it for what it's for. Yeah. It's not like it's not like comic books where you can just sort of like keep them in the thing. Like that's different. But um, it's just it's just a little weird to me. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, uh, the 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 decline of physical media is sort of inevitable at this point. Um, Actor says ten years too- he thinks for physical games. That, that this is the last right. generation, ten years max. I think it stays as like I think physical games will stay as like a uh, as a collector thing, as a boutique thing. You know how like uh, that that one company makes physical copies of like indie games. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you know. I don't remember the name of the company, but which is really stupid because I've ordered some stuff from them. So like I don't know, I don't know why I don't. <laughs> I remember. think there's more than one though that doesn't. Yeah, but it. it's like that kind of like I think that kind of thing will exist. I think you'll be able to get physical copies of things if you want them, but they'll be very limited and very unusual, very expensive, and very yeah, very niche. I think there'll be boutique items and most people will just want a digital library that follows them from, from platform to platform. Now, because collecting will essentially come to an end when that day comes, does the value of all the stuff that we have collected already go up? Um, I mean, I don't think it'll go down. 
uh, because it's you know there's there's only so much of it, but you have to find the right buyer. Of course, that's the problem. Yeah. You, you can sell for it this much to one person, but then that person already has it, and you got to find somebody else that's willing to pay that kind of right. price for the same item. Right. Um, moving forward, I, mean, I don't know. Like I I will say that just because something's digital does not mean it has no value. Um, I've seen hard drives for PS4s with PT installed on them go for a huge amount of money on at auction. Um, obviously, that's a hard. You're basically selling your the PSN account it's attached to. But there were people who had the foresight to create basically which is dummy, illegal. We should add create basically dummy PSN accounts. Just get the the PT de- demo downloaded before it went away and sell those off. And yeah. I, I saw those go for four or five hundred dollars in places, which is crazy because PT is not that fucking good. It's people. really not. I'm sorry. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun little demo tech like proof of concept thing. But oh my god, if you pay over a hundred dollars for PT, I will come smash your hard drive myself. I didn't even find it fun. It was just trial and error. Rattle the picture eight times on the ninth time some woman will giggle. Like, no, that's not fun. A lot of that is just the cult of Kojima, which as we we saw, could not fully translate into sales of plastic babies in bottles. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but that, like I said, but again, if something is rare, something cannot be obtained in another way, it will have value. And PT has value if you have it on a hard drive. Yeah. So, but if in this world where things move forward and get remastered and get carried over and are backwards compatible, that is going to go away to some degree. Matt, do you think this is just Ubisoft basically softening the blow for when it does go all digital? No, I think it's just Ubisoft saving some some manufacturing money on these expensive collector's editions and saying like, well, now we get this much more raw profit from it because we didn't have to spend the money to manufacture a physical object. We like just give five, them a code. The five cents it costs to burn a disc. <laughs> yeah, but, but also it costs something to put it in the package, uh, and it costs yeah. something to de- design the package I mean, ultimately, it's that. like a few dollars. You're saving a few bucks, but if you're selling a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand of these, that adds up. Yeah, I, it just seems, I don't know. I would just you rather they do that, or would they rather you charge you another five bucks for a horse armor? Like, that's where that's where <laughs> is that the are those the only options I have, Matt? Is they're gonna nickel and dime people one way or the other. Right. I mean, you're way. probably right. That's true. Um, but personally, they don't care what GameStop thinks. They're just. But they're look, just, if I get nickel and dime so I can still get physical versions of games, I'm okay with that. I like physical. I still buy everything physical that I can. Now, honestly, this generation's library for me still is like 95 percent digital mm-hmm. because all the publishers send me codes. They don't send me hard. Right. I, when it started. I got physical copies of games. Like the first year mm-hmm. and a half, probably, I got physical copies. And then after that, it was just download codes from everybody. And so I've been forced into the digital future. When I buy a game myself, I buy the physical version every time. So I am nervous, certainly, and as a fan of Ubisoft's games, that I, it may not be long until I will not be able to buy physical versions of Ubisoft's games. Well, I think that's a little ridiculous to say at this point because there's no indication that they're going to get rid of physical normal copies of them. Like, they're not going to stop selling Assassin's Creed on the shelves. They're just going to stop putting them in the in the collector's editions, which are already weird edge cases. The biggest thing with the the, 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 the eliminating physical copy, and I remember the big, the big fear over this, I think, was Halo. Halo was the first one major game to do that. I think Halo Reach didn't come with the physical game, um, if I remember right. It was I, one of the Halos. I don't think it was Reach. It was one of the Halos that did not come with a physical get copy of a game of the game. It didn't Maybe come with a game ODST? at all. I don't remember. I can't remember. I it, was, it was definitely a Halo. 
Um, cause I didn't, I, I don't know which one cause I never bought any of the super duper halo editions. Yeah. Um, the other, but the thing is like a lot of times in one of those collector's edition, big box things, the only thing of actual any value is the game. Um, the rest true. of it, the rest of it's just nonsense that no one cares about after, after 10 days. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can't think of a collector's edition I have that is worth anything right now. Well, they're not worth anything. Yeah, um, with the exception of, of a couple, like I have a couple of uh, the the Witcher two ones that are worth some because they didn't make a lot of them, but no one cares. Like I could, if I opened it and tried to sell the actual objects in them, they'd be worthless. Yeah. no one cares. Yeah. Um. So it's it's funny to me that you're you're basically making those the collector's editions even less valuable uh, because you don't even have the game in there anymore. Which is but, dumb because their profit margin on those things is insane. Like, but they, I really they don't want think, to don't sell think as many any, as they can. But I really don't think they're going to change. I don't think they'll sell less because of it, really. You don't? I, no. I, don't, I, I think people that want the collector's edition just want the tchotchkes. The other crap that's in there. Yeah. Interesting. They want a badly um, painted statue of Geralt. And that's you know, maybe of our it. poll of the week for next week should be about digital versus physical. To get an idea yeah. of how many of our users are like you, who have just given up on physical altogether, and how many of them are like me, who are, who are just holding on to the past with their favorite. I their just don't see an advantage to, digit, to physical. I don't, I don't see the point. Like it's, I just think you have something of value to... For later, I mean, I'm starting. But to it's not a value because, like, 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 what are you going to do with it? Like that that disc after the first one day patch is is worthless unless you I mean, can install it online. And, it's still but it worth. doesn't not unless you update it with with digital. And by that yeah, point, yeah, but Matt, it's still it's still worth sixty dollars. Nothing. It's worth nothing. No, it's still worth sixty dollars. If, like if no, if it's, I hand it's worth you it. that, Matt, if I hand you that disc, you do not have to pay sixty dollars to play the game. You can play it. Your downloads are free. But it's not. Free. But it's not worth anything beyond that. Because first off, if you try to it's sell $60. the game, you get, it's not worth sixty dollars to anyone but you. Because if you try to sell it back to the to the game store, you're not going to get sixty bucks in trade for that. Like no, it's I'm not talking worth about anything. when you're buying a game that just came out brand new. That game is that digital code's worth sixty dollars. That physical game is worth sixty dollars. Obviously, over time, the value so goes down. It. Whatever. You like, know what I mean? There's value by the to that disc. Not as soon as you open it. Like, yes, like, there is. You can still sell no, it to somebody on Craigslist or a, eBay. For a very minor amount of money. Like nothing. No. To, uh, yes. No, if it's a fresh game, you play that game in a week and put it up for sale, you'll still get at least 40 bucks for it. 40, sure. In, in the first two weeks or so, yeah. Yeah. But and like, then if some of the games end up becoming worth a lot of money, I'm starting to see some of my older games become finally worth a lot of money after I've lugged them around for all this freaking time. Only if they're sealed. Eh. So like... It's 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 just not worth it. It's it's it the, the vast well, majority we'll of them. We'll aren't. run the poll this week and we'll see what people say. Like I just don't it doesn't it's just more shelf space use, it's more clutter. Like I, don't I hate that point. part of it. Don't get me wrong. I have been going on a clean out binge over the last like month and a half being trapped here in my apartment. And I've realized how much crap I have just carted from one place to another. I hear you. Like I hate the actual physical part of yeah. physical media. But the value of it is what I. But it's just there's no value. What I'm saying is like these this, these 1500 games behind me that they're all for you know 90 percent of them are open. The vast majority of these are not even worth the case they were they're put in. Like well, I could get right. five, I mean, five bucks or less for most five of bucks things. or less. You're right. Yep, it's true. Except the Nintendo stuff. I don't. I keep. <laughs> Yeah. We all know about Nintendo value. Most of the go. big third-party stuff, it never ends up being worth no. anything because they sell so many. That's really the problem. The games like that I, have value are the ones that don't sell that well that people, in hindsight, yeah. wish they had bought. And That's even then, they still it. have to be somewhat... Like, I have a sealed copy of Dark Watch for the original Xbox that I'd probably have to pay someone to take away from me. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not. There's there's no theory that ever is going to be extrapolated out across anything in anything any medium. There's no absolutes. I guess is what I'm saying. No. Um, but to me, there is value in those games. It's better than zero, which is legally what you have when you have games on PSN or Xbox Live. Yeah, but the so value is... You probably it, could it, get away with selling your, your account. Eventually. But as some, but what I'm saying is as someone, as someone who does account. collect a lot of things, as someone who is very ensconced in the collection of physical objects, I have a whole room for it upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yes, theoretically, that Transformers collection is worth X thousands of dollars, but good luck getting it from someone. Yeah. Like good well, luck getting just good it. Good luck yet. selling it. Yeah, exactly. Like who wants to have to ship all right. of that to anyone? Like for you, you'd have to find somebody who's also a collector yeah. who just wants to buy your whole collection. Or piece come in it with all a out. And right. that would take for, that's like a full time job. You never want to do that. I mean, like I apologize to my niece and nephew because they're going to have to deal with this shit when yeah. I die. Like yeah. Or maybe when you retire and you're just sitting around bored, you can do it. But yeah. it's just not worth it. It's not. Um, but I think to a lot of people being able to buy a game, play it for a week or even a month and get 20 or 30 back bucks back on that game is a big deal. So I think those are the people who are going to keep physical alive as long as it is, although it is. I think what's, I think what's just going to happen is that I think it will take longer to phase out than Pactor thinks it will. It will eventually, but I also think mainstream stuff that they expect to sell tens of millions of copies will remain physical. I think you're going to see the smaller games go digital and you've already seen that for the most part. So like an Assassin's Creed, like an Assassin's Creed or a Halo or a God of War is going to be physical as until the end of selling games physically in stores. Um, which might go the way of the dodo because also physical movie media goes away. Like yeah. that could be a whole universal shift, not just video games. That could just be yep. the end of a the end of a media store kind of thing. Yep. Uh, so anyway, uh, Pack is saying ten years. He also points to like CDs, how they're still alive, as as a way to explain how games media will stay alive. Um, and he's right. Mm-hmm. You can still buy CDs, believe or it or like, look, yeah, you can yeah. buy almost anything you want on vinyl, but you just have to special order it. You need to pay a little more. Pay a little more. I mean, like I said, it's going to be a boutique. You'll still be able to get them. You're just going to have to pay a little more and wait, maybe wait a little longer, like, you know, and just sort of pick and choose your battles, I guess, which I already do. Like, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to buy a physical copy of a Yakuza game, like, yeah. just, cause, just to have that collection. But, yeah. like, I'm just going to have to, I'm, I just pick much more carefully now. I don't, I don't care if I have a physical copy of Battletoads as much as a meme as that might end up being one day. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Right now, where I am sitting, I am surrounded by, I'm guessing, at least a ton of vinyl, meaning 2,000 pounds of vinyl records. And uh, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with these, to be honest with you. Hmm. Uh, there are these, a lot of them are like house records from 1992, 1993 that aren't even good because it's when the genre first started. Like mm-hmm. they suck. They're horrible tracks. Some of them are worth money. Most of them aren't like, what do you do with all this stuff? Like where I put it, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I got a whole yeah. box of two Again, multiple I boxes. Of, like the physical part of physical media. I have uh, multiple boxes of 45 singles that my dad had. I got from my, you know, got from my dad and I, as a collector, I couldn't bring myself to just throw them out. And I went through a bunch of them. And a lot of them are valuable, but like, Finding someone who wants a 45 single of, <laughs> of anything that isn't the Beatles is rather difficult. There is so much Pat Boone in that garage. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I keep, I mean, this is so heavy, like in this apartment and we're on the third floor. So 
Uh, I am surprised that at this point they haven't just fallen down through into the apartment. That's how heavy it is. Like when we move, I'll bet you the floor is indented where all and the, the records are. And the neighbors downstairs will be like, we don't care about the ceiling. Just get this crap out of our apartment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so there you go. I'm interested to hear what you guys think it too about physical media, how long it'll last. Uh, drop that stuff in the comments in the archive. Next up, we're going to talk about a game that is probably the biggest indie game of the month as far as critical response is concerned. It took us a little while to get on it, and then Matt was the one that got on it, and that is Spiritfarer. Matt, I'll admit, I knew very little about this game until the last week. Um, I started seeing the reviews coming out for it, and they were all extremely positive. And then you mentioned to me that you had started playing, and I was like, okay, then we're going to get it into the show. So we are getting tight on time here, so we can't talk about it a ton. Uh, but what do you really like about Spiritfarer? Uh, every single thing in it. Really? This is one of the best games I've played all year. Wow. This is one of the most charming, best things I've played all year. Like, wow. And it came out of a lot of people nowhere. have said that, not just you. I mean, yeah. I've been reading that in a lot of the reviews. It came out of, no I mean, I didn't know much about it. Until, I mean, I, I, I think I saw a trailer for it a long time ago. It's been I, in development for a while. Yeah. And I saw that it was coming up on Game Pass, like, you, know, you know, games coming soon or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, I remember. That's the other thing. I could never remember the title of this thing. Like, I, I kept, <laughs> even like the, even after the first day I played it, the next morning I was in the shower and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go play. Uh, I can, I can go, go, go. Um, chat shade, <laughs> spirit mm, dancer, yeah, shadow. shadow that I could not. I, I could not remember the name of the fucking game. Yeah. So spirit fair. Yes. Okay. Um, what the hell is it, Matt? It's so what it, insane. So what it is is. Um, Oh, it's a yeah. It's, how do you even explain it? So what happens is you're you, the girl. You play this girl named Stella and her cat Daffodil, and you wake up on a boat and are told by Charon, the the ferryman of the dead of, of of the underworld, that he's retiring and you are the new fairy. You are the new spirit fairer. You are the new fairy person. And he. So wait, that's it. what you do. You're a fairy. You, you are the fairy person. You're the, you are the like new Charon. boat fairy or oh. like magical fairy boat fairy. both. Okay. Both. Both. <laughs> okay. Because he, he gives you he gives you this magical light that you see. She has it on her uh, on her belt, and that's uh -huh. what you use to call it, to do magic, and it becomes any tool you need and all that. So basically, um, so he's like, okay, I'm retiring. I'm going through this like big archway gate thing to the to the big reward, and good luck. And you find your own boat, and then you can go as you see here. Uh, you go look at the map in the cabin, and you pick where you want to go, and you hit it. And the boat will auto autopilot there. And while you're on the boat, you can fish off the back of the boat. You can build stuff. You can talk to your friend, your friends. So spirits that need your help, uh, you find them in these, they're kind of in these weird sort of like robe looking things. And when you recruit them to your boat, they become animal spirits. So okay. you see that, that deer girl there. That's a, so the deer woman is Gwen she is someone you actually knew when you were alive. Okay. And but now she's so a wait. Deer. You're dead too. Maybe that's that's not. Oh, you don't know. Okay. She's you're not alive, but you might not be dead either. Um, but it sounds like you know you basically you you're the new you're the replacement for Karen. So presumably you were alive at some point, and somehow you've ended up here with your cat. What do um, you do as a spirit fairer? So, What's your job? So the the people. So you'll see here your up the upgrade. So you can upgrade the boat tremendously and. The bigger the boat, the more space there is to build. And you build basically cabins for people. And you build, there's a kitchen and there's a sawmill and a loom and a metalworking shop and a garden and a field where you grow plants. And you, 
And basically, um, so you're sort of like upgrading the boat to have all these. So it's sort of like Animal Crossing in that regard. You're sort mm-hmm. of building a little town on the boat. And then you talk to the, the people on the boat, the animal people on the boat. And you'll see like right there, you, very f- quick flash there, you saw what they want. So they have like wants and things they like and things they dislike. And you want to improve their mood. So you can improve their mood by giving them their favorite food or keeping them fed in general or doing things for them by like taking them places or giving them gifts that they want. Or so hugging like, them. Hugging is them is Noah's is Ark. Is sort of, it's like it's like <laughs> Noah's Ark. Is? It's Noah's Ark, except you're basically <laughs> doing unfinished business to let them move on to heaven. Uh, so you're in purgatory. You're got. You're, yeah. You're the fo- you're the, fairy you're the, the purgatory dead. ringleader who's helping people. They never quite say it like that, but basically, yeah, you're you're the you know you're the ferryman of the day. You're the gatekeeper you're, to the afterlife. Something like you're that. helping people, and you're going around in the, on this ocean. So here and here, you see like you you can go to these storms that will like send these jellyfish across, and you hit the jellyfish, and the the orange jellyfish give you money, and the green jellyfish up top there, that's like a, a specific kind of item you need to build stuff. So you have How to much go platforming is in the game? Is it a platformer or is it just kind of these little vignettes that you it's play? It's not with? really a platform because this is just sort of jumping around on your boat. Yeah. Uh, but there is a lot of jumping. So like if you go to various islands, uh, islands have resources that you can cut down trees and mine and stuff. But then there's also characters to meet and they'll say like, oh, I'm, I wish I had this. And then you can build that thing they want on your boat and then they'll join your boat and be whatever. Like I just got a shepherd who lets me shear sheep so I can get wool, so I can make woolen things, so I can make stuff like that, and that lets me upgrade more stuff because then you can upgrade the various... You you can upgrade the loom to make wool stuff so you can make sweaters that the characters that you then run into who need a sweater, you give them a sweater and they're happy and then they join your boat and then they can fulfill their unfulfilled life promise and then they can move on through the arch and go to the next life. And Is there an objective to the game? Uh, Not as such. Does it just go on forever? You just keep helping people get to the afterlife? I do not think it goes on forever, no. Okay. I think, I think it does have an ending, but if it does, it's a ways out there because the map is pretty big. <laughs> okay. Um, so what do you? what is it about it that make you, makes you like it so much? It sounds like it's a, just basically a different kind of tweak on Animal Crossing in some ways. A little bit, although there's a lot more character to it in the sense that, like, there's a there's an eeriness to it because yeah, you know, I can everybody, just see that everybody's in the dead. Pearl, yeah. Um the animation is gorgeous. It is. Yeah. Um it's just there's just character dripping out of every piece of it. Um is that Eurogamer is correct. It is an incredibly soothing experience. Um, <laughs> Did that just flash up on this? Yeah, screen? and just like uh like you send the boat off to go somewhere and as it sails along, you you go in and you fish off the back and and pull out whatever you pull out and go talk to your people. Like and it's a lot of uh, and you can dive in the water and like pull barnacles off the ship and find shells and mussels and cook them and serve them. And to it sounds just like Animal Crossing but on a boat. It also happens much faster. Like you don't have to wait oh, okay. for shit. Like that's the okay, main good. thing is there's no there's no waiting except like like growing food, growing the plants. But even then, you can play a guitar for the for the plants and they grow faster. No, like there's no time sink stuff in this except the usual sort of you know you got to wait a couple minutes for the thing to cook or whatever. And then at nighttime, the boat can't navigate because and so the nighttime is sort of either the time to do menial chores or you can go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and everybody wakes up and you go back. I mean, it's totally Animal Crossing. Which do you like more? Do you like this or New Horizons more? Oh, I like this. This see, here's the thing: I wouldn't call it Animal Crossing at all. It's just okay. like, it's easier to compare it to Animal Crossing in the sense that you are building things that serve purposes to advance like other things, and they all kind of fit together. You know. Uh-huh. But but it would be like you know it's it's to me it reminds me more of like Soikoden. 
where oh, you build your okay. castle. You know, uh-huh. you build the castle up and recruit new people, and yeah, they, get yeah. to, they do do new jobs, so you can do different things that then recruit other people because you know that kind of it's through that that breadcrumb trail of upgrading so you can do this thing so you can do this thing that then upgrades this thing that then brings this person in and gives you a new building that then lets you upgrade the other building that kind of thing yeah. you know? and you, you know how how fast that treadmill can just become an addiction you know? oh yeah absolutely um <laughs> caught on it many times and there's just an there's just like a, like a hominess to it where it's like it's you know yeah. right, right there you saw someone ascending to the next life and like there's actually kind, it's actually kind of sad because some of these characters are with you for a while as you're solving. And then you sort send of them on through the and game. And you send them on through. And, lot, and, it's that kind of, and a lot yeah, of them I do know you. And a lot of times, because like the people, when they're in the little uh, robe things, they don't really know who they are. And then when they come back, they recognize, oh, I'm so-and-so that you knew as this. When you're, and so like some of it feels like, yeah, there's, there they're playing the, uh, the song there. Some of it feels like maybe the, the, the gist of the whole thing is that it's not that you're you're solving problems for them to move on to the next life so much as they solving solving their problems is how you solve your problems so you can move on. Ah, Uh, So I think there's probably a twist on that coming up. It sounds cool, man. And you upgrade, like you see like, and you see like, you know, you have double jumps and like kind of, you you know, the, there all is this some stuff, platforming, right? Yeah, there's plenty of platforming to find secrets and stuff on the various islands, but you don't have those abilities at first. So, like helping guy, helping characters, they give you this little orb thing, and those orb things you can then turn in at shrines to give you new ability upgrades. Gotcha. So there is there is no moment at which you are not working towards some new upgrade to let you do another thing that will let you upgrade to another thing. Like it's it's a brilliant treadmill. It's a, it's it's and it's also charming and fun and like. There's little things you can discover, little quirks of character. Um, you have the little cat, the cat with you as well. The cat uh, animation is really well done. If you if you duck down and hit the X button, you can hug the cat. So that's big points for me. <laughs> um, when you jump in the water, you swim around and can dive and find stuff and find crates and stuff. But the cat, who also has her own um, light ball, like uh-huh. that you do, she just balances on the light ball on the water with this look of terror on her face <laughs> the whole time. It's very funny. That is. Funny. Um, and it's just it's just like a charming thing. Like look at look at even look at that's Caron there. Look at how look at how well that that's animated. Yeah. Like I really like well, it. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful game. Um, I think you've converted me, Matt. I'm in on it. How I mean, much it's, is it? I don't know. It's Game Pass. It is on Game Pass. See, you yeah. joked about that earlier. I didn't know if you were being serious. It is on Game Pass. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Game Pass again. The best deal. Ever. I would, however, buy this. I would definitely spend money on this. I don't know. What's the I, most you would spend on it, Matt? I would spend thirty on this. Okay. But I think it's probably twenty. That would be my uh, guess. I forgot Spirit Fair. I, 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 I don't know why I <laughs> keep forgetting the, the name, name of that of fucking game. <laughs> uh, 30. It's 30 on Steam. 30 bucks. And you I, I would pay 30. That's I would definitely right. pay 30. Okay. Um, and is it on everything right now? Or is it just um, It is on Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, Google Stadia, uh, Mac, uh, Windows, and Linux. Everything. So yeah, just about everything. <laughs> It's on everything. So you have no excuse not to pick it up. 30 no. bucks, a little steep for an indie game, but sounds like yeah. you get a and lot this of is, This is by uh, Thunder Lotus, which did uh, Jotun, if you remember that. Is that how you similar- say that? It's not Jotun? Yeah, it's Jotun. Oh, I didn't as know in, As in Jotunheim. I always called it Jotun. <laughs> I should have known that was incorrect. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Uh, so there you go. Spirit Fair, available for everything. 30 bucks. If you're burning out on Animal Crossing at this point, and I don't know how you couldn't be. I burn out on it in like a week. I haven't, I haven't turned that thing on for it's probably just wall-to-wall weeds yeah, at this point. I haven't played it in a long time. But if you burn out on that and you're like, you know what? I could probably get into something like that again. This is mm. kind of in the same ballpark at least. You know what it also kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of um, uh, uh, Supergiant. 
those games. It reminds oh, me like like Pyre and, and Pyre. Transistor. Yeah, there's a, there's an element of style I can see. Yeah, and also like, but also you know how Bastion sort of felt like it had this home base and like it yeah. felt like you were kind of striking out to explore from where yeah. you. It was it like that too. I mean, I'm a big sucker for like building a home base in a game. Yeah, and this does it real real well. Awesome. Um, it's really good. Okay. That's Spirit Fair. Now on to our last topic for episode 226. Um, probably the biggest hardware-related story this week, other than what just broke in the middle of the show. Uh, so at the beginning of the week, we got a report that a more powerful version of Switch was going to be coming next year. However, that report was from a very small Taipei tech website that looked like it was made on GeoCities. And so... We saw it, and we chose not to curate it. Or may I think we curated it, but we were like, take this with a huge grain of salt. This is a little dinky publication. Well, then it was followed up by Bloomberg. And not Jason Schreier, I would add. One of Bloomberg's Asia writers, uh, a couple days later, confirmed pretty much everything, saying that Nintendo Switch 2, or whatever they're going to end up calling it, a more powerful version of Switch, is coming in 2021. Uh, they actually elaborate a lot more on it than the Taipei website had. They also shared that their target is 4K visuals for the new Switch. And most interestingly, that the lack of software for Switch in 2020 has been because Nintendo is essentially bogarting games to launch with the new more powerful system next year hmm. uh, so to start with matt again this is coming from bloomberg about as reliable as it can get how much do you believe all that information i mean i absolutely i pretty much believe all of it like okay. i think i think an upgrade switch is un inevitable like it just is the only thing that makes sense the timing is right now too yeah and it would also, you know, the the idea that they're holding stuff back to launch with it make also makes sense because that that's the one of the only possible reasonable explanations for the second half of this year. It really is. Uh, I mean, we've been we've been completely flummoxed by it the whole year. We're like, what is Nintendo doing? Where are the games? Like, where are where's Bayonetta? Where's Metroid? Where's all this stuff? Where's the next Pikmin? All these games that had should be done or close to done or have been done for a while. Where are they? It does start to make a little bit of sense. Mm -hmm after you read this story. Um, do you think the timing is right? Do you think we're ready now for the more powerful Switch? Or do you think Nintendo can still squeeze some more out of it? I sure as hell am. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I, I was from day one, but... Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's smart to, to get away from the new systems, like, next year. Is, I mean, I wouldn't think it would be a good idea to do it this year. Um, but, or uh, it's a brilliant idea and you destroy PlayStation and Microsoft. I don't know, I don't know if you want to risk that. Which uh, might be in that position at this point, though, where it could win head-to-head -head against those guys. I don't know about that. I think their audience is, uh, well, they do have the Nintendo cult. I don't know if they have enough of them to counteract that. all the PlayStation fans. Look, if you put a new powerful Switch out and uh up against a ps5 i'm still gonna buy the ps5 like there's no possible way you're putting anything out this year that's going to be more compelling you, there's no possible way you're going to put out something that's going to be more compelling than miles morales which i can only play on ps5 and even with a more powerful switch i'm sure i'll be able to play those new games whatever they would be on my existing switch matt do so, you believe 4k i have i have, I have a, a hard time 
I have a hard time believing Nintendo cares about 4K. I have a hard time believing that they would spend the money on hardware capable of no. running games at 4K. Like, I don't believe, I'll be honest. I, like, maybe I you could run Bloomberg, Battletoads at 4K, but like yeah, uh, the like idea I, of like Zelda at 4K, no, I don't, I don't. I know it's Bloomberg, but I don't believe that at all. I no. just don't. I, what I believe is that we'll get a Nintendo system probably, I would hope it will be as powerful as Xbox One X. That's, yeah, to that me, would be nice. That's best case scenario. Yeah, I don't best even case really scenario. think that. I, I yeah I I think that would be that would be phenomenal I, I, would, I, would, I would be thrilled be overjoyed if yeah. Switch Two was an Xbox One X yeah Imagine, I don't think it will be but yeah I, I think either. I think you're right that is the absolute top level my guess is it's gonna be about as powerful as the launch PlayStation Four that sounds about right that's about my guess Nintendo um, sort of seems to be toiling about a full generation behind at this point and that's a, that seems like about right that is still a big upgrade yeah huge but like. I think you're looking at like 2K for good use occasional like scenarios. Yeah. yeah. But like for Sundered will probably run at 2K. Right. You know, like yeah. The, yeah. But Zelda, the next Mario. I mean, look, they may design those games so that they can run in 4K. Yeah. Like they may literally just make sure that the visuals are simple enough in those games that they can say they're 4K games to eliminate that quote yeah. unquote advantage that the competitors. I mean, look, it, I, I don't think a lot of people would have a huge problem with the idea of buying new. If the new Switch just makes Breath of the Wild looks look good, you know, like like you get rid of the shimmery, you get rid of the frame rate problems, you get rid of the pop in. Like you just you don't even need to really change Breath of the Wild. You just need to make it run well, and that might be worth it for a lot of people because then you can do, say the same with Breath of the Wild 2, which is probably going to be running mostly the same thing. I think Mario Odyssey looks great all, all as it is. I think Luigi's Mansion looks great. Uh, you bump the resolution up to like something like 1440p, and like that's a win right there. Now, I, look, I would say Luigi's Mansion looks great. I would say that Mario is built with the Switch in mind, and if mm -hmm. you had more powerful hardware, it could absolutely look way freaking better. I mean... The, the environments in that game are pretty much bereft of anything other than, uh, like, they don't have, like, ambient stuff. There's not shrubs and, like, gravel and, like, you know, you look at the beach and it's just a freaking beach that stretches on for, like, two miles. Like, there is a lot that they could use that power for to make a Mario game that would blow our freaking minds. I do, however, think that the way Nintendo develops games that I would not be surprised at all if they just cut back on the detail and make sure that the game can run at 4K. I think they're going to make sure the game can still run on the Switch. That's probably, all it is. Like the new the new right. system will just make the Switch games run well. Like that's all it'll be, which is good enough for me. Like I that's I mean at first, right? Eventually over yeah. time you're they're going to release games that will only run on the new one. You'd hope. I would not I would not think so. Wow. I mean, I think you're waiting for Switch 2 for that whatever they call that. Then we're almost kind of in the same like console handheld thing that we were stuck in with Nintendo for years. Somewhat, but again, I think it's shown definitively that it doesn't matter sales wise. Like it doesn't stop anyone from buying any of this stuff. Would I like them to step into the 21st century with the tech and make something that's on par with what everyone else is doing? Absolutely. I'd love to see what a, what a Zelda would look like or a Metroid Prime 4 would look like on something with the power of a PS5. But we're never going to get that. And as long as Nintendo continues to sell tens of millions of copies of these games on hardware that is this severely underpowered, they're never going to change that tactic because they don't have to. Matt, is there any chance that, just like they just released a handheld-only version of Switch, that this new Switch is a console-only 
I think there's a chance, but I don't know if it's likely. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet money on it. I would. I mean, it I would be case. fine with that. I would I mean, absolutely it, be me, okay it is with that. It's possible that they release a console only at first for the Switch Two. They leave the Switch and the Switch Lite to be the handheld, and then once it gets to a point where the tech that's in Switch Two can be shrunk down and put into a handheld at a reasonable cost, then maybe they follow that up with the handheld version of it. Um, I think it's a possibility. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, but that's like one of the only reasons I'm skeptical about it because this is Nintendo and things that make sense are not really their thing. I mean, dude, how are you going to get 4K visuals into a handheld? That's definitely not happening. Like, well, obviously, handheld mode think, 1080p max for sure. Yeah, well, I don't think I, even 1080p is overkill for a handheld. Like, you just not you know, unless you're doing like phone resolutions, but you have to read a lot of text on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking if if by some miracle it is 4K, you're talking about it in you know TV mode. So it depends. Well, I, think I mean, people may be pretty excited about that. <laughs> sure, I, I mean, I would buy it. I, I would, would be. absolutely get it. Um, I'm, I would gladly buy it with no handheld mode because I never use handheld mode. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know. It depends how integral to the brand Nintendo thinks that is. I mean, it is called the Switch. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you're, that's, maybe it isn't called Switch, the next one. I mean, you can call the Switch Lite the Switch Lite and it doesn't switch. Yeah, so. that's true. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, so what do you think about the whole holding games thing? until next year do you think that's a smart strategy or do you think you just release them now because you got this huge installed base on switch and you'll sell a metric ton of games i don't know i mean i think What's it depends smarter? what they're i, I think it's well i think it's smarter to um i think it's smarter to hold a couple of the big ones back to build hype for the new thing because you're, you're just going to get that you're going to get that new hardware smell on them where you're like, oh, I really want to play Breath of the Wild 2, but I also really want to play Breath of the Wild 2 in the best possible way. Right. And that's on the new system. And like, you know, that's going to work. Um, I do, you know, we don't know much about the second half of the year's release schedule for the Switch. But like, so I can't really say one way or the other, but like, I do worry about ending up, you know, with this fall release schedule that just feels incredibly anemic. And it's just a yeah. couple of remasters, and I mean, like that's what it's looking of, like. <laughs> if it's just like the Mario 3D collection and like Skyward Sword HD, it's just like oh, like, I mean I that don't very know, well could be what is coming. Pikmin three, and then like it's just like I mean it's getting too late. It's almost September. It's getting too late to kind of announce something and then release. Yeah, there's it not before. much much time. I mean, I guess we're, we're supposed right to get something it. soon. Yeah, um, but uh, I so don't you know. believe I'm, all this, and you're cool with all of it. That's what I'm. I, the resolution thing seems sketchy to me. Yeah. Um, just because it just seems like a, such a weird leap for Nintendo to make when jump. it hasn't. Yeah. It A, hasn't been something they've cared about, and B, hasn't been something that's impacted them. Yeah. So why would they put that kind of effort into getting a 2K? Sure. A solid 60 frames a second at 1080p? Sure. 4K? Like, I feel like that's a yeah. Switch 2 arena for that. But otherwise, like a, a more powerful Switch um, with some games that have been, been awaited, uh, held back for it next early next year, like March next year. I see that. Yeah, yep. I don't. I don't have a problem believing that. Yeah, I mean the rumors have been flying around for literally three years, yeah. so they've had plenty of time to consider it and create it and get it ready for production. So, and I will be there. Me because too. Because I I find the Switch just 
horribly underpowered. Uh, it seems very likely that this is true. Um, how much do you think it will hurt sales of the existing Switch as the word starts to spread around that something like this might be coming? Will it at I don't all? Think, I don't think will it, it will because the people who are buying it now. Exactly. You know? I think I think the people that would be buy, still buying a Switch now don't even know this thing would exist. Like the the hardcore people, <laughs> no. The hardcore people like us, like we already own them. We already yeah. own Switches. Yep. And we're probably not buying any Switches for Christmas though, because for people, because we're, we're going to be like, wait. Yeah, you um, wait. So, yep. So there you go. That's all the info we have on the next switch. Um, if it's true, which it uh, Matt and I both agree that it probably is, we'll probably start getting more information here pretty soon. Because one, I think the natives are going to start getting restless a little bit. They're yeah. going to be like, "Where are all the freaking games?" Like Nintendo is going to have to explain itself at some point. Yeah, at some point, people are going to have start having some serious Wii U flashbacks, and they're yeah. going to have to say something. Yeah. And so I think we'll get more information on this pretty soon, especially now that Bloomberg broke it. Like, you know, that little website from Taipei, Nintendo was like, whatever. We'll just brush that right off. Once Bloomberg reports it, then you kind of have to. Right. Especially at some point, you might even have to say something just to appease the investors. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Oh, oh, by the way, I don't know if you've seen since uh, Robinhood launched, Nintendo's stock has like skyrocketed. And since the the, uh, port, the, the partial shares have launched now that like any Nintendo fan can buy a dollar's worth of Nintendo stock, hmm. it is just skyrocketed. So do not buy Nintendo stock. It is going to go down from here. I guarantee it. Uh, that's it for our show. Um, as you guys know, this is the time to get your questions into chat. Um, you should have a bunch of good ones to ask us. We talked about a bunch of big stuff in this episode. I'm actually surprised we got it in under the gun. And we have 15 minutes still left for Q&A. Uh, so get your questions into the chat. As always, go at Sifted Games uh, so we can find them amongst all the other messages. Uh, and while you get those in, here's a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. You can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. We appreciate it very much. Let's get into some questions. First up, ETH Demon. Why do you think Sony is being so aggressive with buying third-party exclusives? They're buying more than they did with the PS4 launch. To me, it shows a lack of confidence by Sony, and I am not sure why. I would not um, agree that it's a lack of confidence. No, not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. I would. It's, 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 it's what they always. It's a power play, and it's also how they got into the industry. It's how yeah. they won. It's, it's a I proven mean, they, strategy. They took over the industry by buying exclusives from third parties, primarily Japanese third parties, mm-hmm. which is also where they're getting their exclusives from for PlayStation Five. So. I just think Sony's doing exactly what it has always done. I think the yeah. bigger question is, you know, why are third parties signing deals for like Call of Duty uh, for PlayStation? Wouldn't it be smarter if, 
you know, their demo is available on all platforms on day one. That type of stuff, I think, makes more sense as a question than just what are they doing buying third-party exclusives. They've done it all along. And you you hate it until your platform does it. I mean, that's pretty much how it works. If you're an Xbox fan and you're watching Sony buy up exclusives, you get angry. If it was Microsoft getting the exclusives, you wouldn't care. That's that's the way it is. So if you're angry that Sony's snatching up exclusives, there are PlayStation fans who are angry that now Microsoft has Obsidian or whatever, and the next Fallout New Vegas could be an Xbox exclusive. It all, generally it all equals out, but with Sony in the pilot seat, and they have all the capital, they're just kind of bullying their way around right now. And Microsoft is probably going to have to dig into his treasure chest to uh, offset some of this stuff. But as of right now, it doesn't look like it's really all that inclined to do that um, other than buying studios where your bet isn't paying off for another two years. Uh, what are you, what's your take on it, Matt? I'm pretty much the same. Like I don't, I, it's, it's what they've done. It's how they got final fantasy seven, um, you know, which no one ever thought would leave Nintendo at the time. Yeah. Um, it's in Tekken and all these things, you know, it, it also helped that they had better hardware, but like, the real story of, of PlayStation 1 was Sony just threw money at, at the problem until people decided that that was what they wanted. And it worked. And it's always worked. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really see anything surprising or telling about it. Uh, and I don't think that they feel lack of confidence at all. Like there is zero reason for Sony to be lack of have no lack I'm of confidence. On sunshine. Like Xbox yeah. is absolutely back on their heels. <laughs> yeah. like, there if is, anyone's feeling the the heat right now, it is Xbox without no. a doubt. But at the very least, X, Microsoft knows they are playing the long game and they are not going to win this initial conflict. So yeah. no, yeah. I don't. I don't think that betrays a single thing of yeah. that regard. That's you're that's, just bummed because your platform isn't doing it. That's my guess. Uh, Swanland, here's one from Matt. Thoughts on the reveals from DC fandom? It's to keep this from going until the rest of the time that we have, just talk about the Batman trailer, Matt. Um, I think the Batman trailer looks nice uh, in terms of art design. I think it's too dark. I think it's underlit. Like it looks like a David Fincher film from the 90s, and that is not a compliment. Um, my main problem with it, and I do like Matt Reeves, and I think he does good stuff uh, overall. And uh, I do want to see the movie, but the fact that he stood there and said, basically, this is a year one origin story for 15 minutes infuriates me. Like, just make a fucking Batman movie. Like, I don't need to know how he started being Batman. I don't need to know how the Penguin got to be the Penguin. I don't need to know what the Riddler's <laughs> first riddle was. I don't need to know any of that shit. I need you to make a movie that's he's been Batman for five years. He's on Robin like two or three. The Joker's up to some shit, and let's go. <laughs> like, I don't know why that's so hard to fucking do, but it's just infuriating. You just made point. another cartoon. That's two cartoons in one. No more origins. No more origin movie for Superman. <laughs> Hulk, Spider-Man, or Batman ever. We, we don't know. need it. No. We don't need it. Just make a Batman movie. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> there you go, Swanland. So, yeah, it was yeah. a mixed thing. It was a mixed thing for me. Uh, I thought the Wonder Woman trailer was pretty good. Wonder Woman trailer looks real good. I like that. I mean, I just could look at her all day, so <laughs> she could I don't do know anything. when we'll get to see it, but <laughs> I know, I know. I, I hope we do. And I hope yep. the theaters are open when it happens, because I'd like to see that on the big screen. Uh, here's a note from The Legacy. Samurai Jack Battle Through Time is on Apple Arcade for Apple TV, iPad, iPhone, Mac, and the entire show is on HBO Max. For those of you who want to know. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Legacy. Uh, the show is from, worth watching, definitely. Uh, from Vincent, today's Nintendo Direct was very minor. 
Uh, the biggest games were Kingdom Hearts Rhythm Game and Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. And fans don't like it, even with the lowered expectations. Is this bad for Nintendo's brand with the hardcore fans to have minor directs? Yes, I think it's just bad, period. Today's direct was a non-story... Mm. Liter- okay. It, I don't think it would matter if they had bigger stuff and stronger stuff coming out alongside it, but they don't. They don't. And so you can't just expect the fans to like live off breadcrumbs like that. It's it, it's crazy. It's the old adage of "Don't cry wolf." It's like if you get people, you keep telling people, "Show up, this is going to be awesome." Show up, this is going to be awesome. And then like the last three aren't awesome, mm-hmm. they stop showing up, and that's what's going to happen. Nintendo has completely oversaturated the direct at this point. We don't need these nindies anymore. Like, honestly, just give us the mainline directs. That's really all we need. Like, I understand some of the indies appreciate that Nintendo does that because it gets their game in front of eyeballs that normally would never see their games. And I understand that, and I appreciate that, but it's like I don't even care anymore. And I'm like, even to the point where I don't even really investigate what the direct is anymore. I will say this, Nintendo does a pretty good job of labeling them to let you know whether you should care or not. But even with that, it's like, okay, now I know it's a Nindies. I'm not going to watch. It's, it's become, it's become to the, it's come to the point where it is not appointment viewing anymore. And so Nintendo is going to have something really big that it wants to debut and people aren't going to show up because they're like, Oh, it's going to be another disappointment. So I think there absolutely is danger in what Nintendo is doing. What about you, Matt? Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch that today. And if they had shown something of note, I wouldn't have seen it because I don't, I don't consider the directs to be appointment viewing anymore. I just figure I'll, if there's anything of interest in them, I'll see it later. It'll pop up as a highlight on Sifted or someone will talk about it on Twitter. Like, yeah. it's just not something I tune in automatically for anymore. And like, that didn't used to be true. Yep. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I agree with your assessment because it has literally happened to me. Yeah. Uh, Congrim one, one question for Matt. You could ask me this too. Uh, have you have you backed Ayudin Chronicles? If so, what tier? Uh, I did. That's the game by the um, by the Suikoden team. It's the spiritual successor to Suikoden. Um, yep. yep. Uh, I don't remember what I backed it as. My guess is it was for a physical copy and a digital copy. But I will look. I will look that up. When I back like, games, that's all I ever back for. I just back so I get the game for free. So I'm basically just pre-ordering the game and giving them my money early so they can use it to make the game. I hmm. rarely ever go any tiers above that. Let's see. Uh, while you do that, I'll take another question from Jam Rain. Are you doing anything to celebrate the end of the generation? I am replaying some of the first games I played on each system, even if they were not that great. Um, I don't know if you're talking about like coverage, if we're going to do like a big like end of generation countdown or the end of the generation episode of Game Face. I've been thinking about it. Um, and I'm still thinking about it. It's not here yet. I have a couple more months to think about it. So if I feel like I can come up with something really cool and really different other than here's my top 10 games of the generation, then I'll do it. If I can't come up with anything better than that, then I won't. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I did in fact back the uh, digital and physical tier. Okay. Which is uh, 89 bucks. That's usually where I back. I've only backed like two games ever. And one of them was Joe Fielder's game that he was making. He mm-hmm. got me into the industry. I was like, I know it's a conflict of interest. I will just never, ever review your game, but I have to help you. And I did. But what and then game the game was that? Uh, the Velvet Letter or something like that, I think it was called. I can't remember what it was called. Velvet, Velvet Assassin? Something. Maybe. Um, but he was working on it like two years ago mm. and then it never got signed. And now he's working on like all kinds of huge stuff that mm. I can't even bring up. So 
He yeah, I've has backed a, exploded I've backed a bunch as a of games. games writer. Yeah, I've backed a bunch of games, but uh, most of them have come out except for uh, Star Citizen. Mm. Couple well, of things. <laughs> you haven't given up hope on that. Star, yet, Star Citizen and Hardforth Alicia, I think, are the two that I backed that never showed up. Oh, and oh. Clang, which was that motion control sword oh, right. game that was it was canceled. And they're like, "Oh, we never said we we're going to make a game." We're like, yeah, you did, motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. We didn't uh, just so give you your money for a demo, dude. Come yeah. on. Somebody is asking what Robinhood is, um, and I'll just tell you very quickly: it's an investment app where that where every trade is free. You don't have to pay a broker. You don't have to sign up with a broker. <clears throat> also, you don't have to like prove that I'm only going to put X percentage of my net worth into the investment. Like you can just go get the app, pull money from your bank account into the app and start investing right away. And it has become a revelation for people um, because again, you don't have to pay like a percentage commission on every time you trade. It's all free. Like I have it right now. I could literally buy Nintendo stock in like five seconds and I don't have to do anything. I won't be charged anything for it. That's what Robinhood is. So that that's one reason why the stock market has been ripping. The reason it's continued to rip is because Robinhood in, like six weeks ago or seven weeks ago offered partial shares, meaning, so let's say you're like, I want to own Apple and at, you look at Apple and Apple now is like, $500 a share or whatever. You're like, I can't afford $500. It doesn't matter anymore because you can literally just say, I have $10 to invest. You can put five of that on Apple. You can put five of it on Nintendo and you don't get a whole share. You just get a very small percentage of it, which allows you to invest in companies that you want to invest in regardless of how much money you have. And so it is just skyrocketed because like I said earlier, if you're a Nintendo fan and you only have 10 bucks to invest, you can now invest 10 bucks in Nintendo and own a piece of Nintendo. So anyway, that's what Robinhood is and is changing everything. I highly recommend it. However, with caution, because the money's real and you could lose your ass in the stock market in a day. So I'm not telling you what to invest. I'm just telling you, if you want to invest, Robinhood is amazing. And it's Remember when Apple was like 10 bucks a share? Yeah. Yeah, they put the iMac out and it never, never. Well, Matt, slowed just, down again. just two years ago, it was at a hundred a share, and it's mm -hmm. now like two years later to like five hundred a share. It's insane. Again, all because of Robinhood. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a good one from Gus Bricker. So, what are the big launch titles for Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five? <laughs> Miles Morales. Uh, Miles Morales and, and uh, uh, the, the Godfall. And, uh, <laughs> it's a fine question. <laughs> it is a fine question. Yes. What I, I what, what last gen games do you really like that you'd like to play at a slightly higher frame yeah. rate? But I'll tell you this: I'm glad you're asking that question because it will make it much easier for other people to get the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. But it's it's very valid. There, honestly. Unless you're a huge Spider-Man fan, there's not a lot to convince you to spend whatever amount of money these consoles are going to be right now. It's just well, look. Luckily, both consoles have one big secret weapon in their back pocket, and that is FOMO. That's so. true. Yep, and that'll be enough to sell out their whole launch yeah. allotment. I guarantee it. <laughs> no, no question. Yep. Uh, let's see. We can answer one more. Uh. Tori or Torion Till, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, are there any 2020 games you guys are really excited for that are not the obvious big AAA games coming out like Cyberpunk and Assassin's Creed, etc.? Um, hmm. 
I think he asked at the wrong time because I'm staring. We so I just started working on dossier for September with mm-hmm. uh, Vincent, and wow, <laughs> there are a lot of games coming out beginning in September for the rest of the year. Um, I think about stuff like that when we're in droughts, and I'm like, oh my god, what are we going to talk about on Game Face this week? That's when I start looking at that stuff. Right now, I'm just booking. I'm like, okay, this game this week, this game this week, this game this week, and basically, Game Face is done for the rest of 2020 at this point as far as content is concerned. So, I'm worried more about that. I haven't thought about like any sleeper, like Deathloop may have been one, but they just moved that out of 2020. So... Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any. What about you, man? I don't know. Not really. I mean, I guess if Yakuza Seven counts, like I'm not seeing a ton of talk about that, and that comes out right before Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk, so it'll probably get like buried in in the zeitgeist. Um, but other than that, mm, not that I'm sure is coming out this year, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of games that I thought were coming out are not. Oh, I guess. Uh, tell me why, which is out this week, uh, the new Don't Nod game. Yeah. I, I check out pretty much everything Don't Nod puts out. Um, yeah. So I'll check that out for sure. But generally, I you know, I played a couple smaller games, at least in my estimation, this week for the show. I played PGA Tour, which I think is smaller. Samurai Jack. Probably not yeah, happening had, for the rest yeah, of the show. We had a lot of small games. We had a, a lot of smaller games today. Yeah, and I've been bringing up a couple in prior episodes as well. Um, we've been on a little bit of an indie kick here on Game Face lately, but that's all pretty much about the change. Uh, we're about to go into Q4, and it's going to be glorious. New consoles last gen the best games for last gen all coming out it's it's great i am really really excited for the next like six or seven months um and i hope you guys are too and i hope you're along for the ride with us uh one final note before we go um i did mention this at the beginning but i want to mention again for people who maybe joined late uh it looks like the sifted fantasy football league is mostly full there's one or two people who have not replied. I just want to tell you right now, if I do not hear from you guys by Saturday, um, we're going to move forward without you guys. So I need to hear from you guys in the next like three or four days. Uh, once we get to Saturday, we need to start planning draft and we need to know who's in or out. So you have until Saturday to get back to me and let me know if you're in the draft. If you don't do that, we're going to assume you're out and we'll find people to take your place. Um so that's it for Game Phase 226. I told you it was a big episode. I told you my brain was going crazy. Wondering how we were going to get it all into the show. Somehow, we did it. Um, uh, Matt, how are you feeling going into Q4? Uh, well, I don't think the doldrums are over yet. I mean, we got really? Aven- no, we got Avengers, and then September is pretty quiet to me. Like Avengers and Tony Hawk is really the only thing that catches my attention for the rest of September. There, I think there was 60 games in the dossier this month. I'm sure there's a lot, but it's just like nothing. There's a lot of indies for jumps sure. Out. Like like any other. Uh... Oh, thank you for the uh, for the emote. Someone subscribed, and we got an emote because they subscribed, which is awesome. Torio, it's like Torianto. Like other than Avengers, I think like October is sort of where it starts for me because then you start getting okay. Star Wars and uh, and um, uh, Watch Dogs and. All right, Star Wars and Watch Dogs. Like, it's actually kind of sparse, really, I feel, this year. There's not a lot in there that I would jump on, like, outside of, like, you know, covering it for things. And we still don't know anything about the launch titles specifically, so I guess we'll see. Yep. We still don't know the date. (laughs) We know the month, but that's about it. Uh, Thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime. It didn't seem like a lot of you guys waited till the end of the show to do it this time. 
which bums me out. Jay Reed Vic Seven, thank you. I did see yours, um, but I won't be able to thank a lot of you guys. It looks like a lot of you guys did it at the beginning. Darmist, thank you. Um, but that's as far up as I can go, unfortunately. If you did at the beginning of the show, I really appreciate it. It makes a big difference for us. Um, if you're listening to this show on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere for free or watching it for free on YouTube, please consider helping us out. I bust my butt on this stuff, man. My whole life is running sifted. I give it all for you guys. Uh, if you could bump us a dollar or two per month, it makes a world of difference for us. We're not some gigantic Patreon where your money just goes into a black hole. Every dollar makes a difference to us. Uh, so if you're getting the show for free and you're like, hey, I kind of like these guys. I'm listening to it every week. Why not go to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a couple bucks? We would really, really appreciate it. And if you can't do that, there's always Twitch Prime. And again, that's explained down in the description if you're watching the show on YouTube. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of Jared, who we actually didn't hear from today. What's up, bro? Hope you're doing all right. I'm Shane Satterfield. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. Game face is up and out. <laughs>